0: Coming up on another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast, I'm going to be honest with you, this was just chaos. Um, (laughs) We recorded, this episode is about two and a half hours long, Um, we changed our format this week, we've um, tried to, yeah, basically review every game from from round seven uh, of the A-League men, uh, and we did so, Um, but uh, we probably underestimated how many thoughts we'd have on each game, so... (laughs) we're talking yeah 15 it's 15 minutes to half an hour reviews on each game so yeah quite a long podcast um what i've done though is in the in the description for the episode there'll be timestamps for each uh game so yeah if you do not want to sit there uh, and listen to a two and a half hour podcast on the A-League, which, you know, uh, I don't really blame you to be fair. And you just want to listen to our take on a couple of games, um, you know, whether that's two, whether that's four games, whether it's just one game, uh, then by all means, use the timestamps in the description. And uh, yeah, um, you can click on the relevant timestamp and it'll take you to, to the game you want to listen to, to our thoughts on. So yeah, we're, in saying that, um, you know, we, we certainly come <laughs> to a lot of interesting discussions, uh, spoke a lot about Western United at the start after their, uh, heavy defeat against the Mariners. Uh, me and Cody, uh, almost came to blows about, uh, MacArthur, uh, with some weird debate, which I'm not even, uh, fully remembering now, uh, a few days later. Uh, um, and then, yeah, discussed Bruno Fornaroli, of course, uh, his Asian cup chances, um, as well. So, a lot, a lot, uh, that we discussed in the podcast for sure. It was a really interesting week of football, to be fair. Um, in fact, you know, uh, I've actually just got the results in front of me right now. Five of the, the, uh, six games were actually won by away teams this week, which is kind of, uh, which is kind of insane. Uh, as well, I didn't mention that. I don't think in the, in the actual podcast. We've got, of course, uh, our pod coming up again this week. We are going to try and shorten them for you. Um, obviously two, two and a half hours isn't ideal. We are looking to kind of get it in that one and a half hour range for you, so it's a bit more digestible i guess um so yeah we're we're working on it um and uh yeah, just just bear with us, but uh yeah, hopefully uh you enjoyed at least uh our discussions on one or two of the games if you decide to only listen to one or two and listen if you do listen to all of our uh, all of the podcasts and all of our review sorry of of all the games. Um, then you're an absolute legend, uh, and feel free to drop us a rating, maybe a comment or two as well below. So, so yeah, but without further ado, um, I'm only making this recording even longer. I'm your host, Christian Marchetti, and we'll be back with another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast right after this. Welcome back to another episode of the Front Page Football Podcast. And tonight I am joined by Cody Ajada, Jack Hollop, and Jack Tuhill. We've had another very interesting round in the A-League men. Seems like I'm saying that every weekend at the moment. And uh, yeah, the boys are here with me to wrap it all up. And uh, before we get into all the action, uh, we're we're basically just going to go through all the games uh, from the weekend so basically we can give a bit more of a holistic kind of recap of, of what's been going on, and I'm sure we've got a whole bunch of different discussion points within those uh games to to talk about. Uh but let's start with Cody. Let's start with you. How uh, how are you on this on this uh late Sunday night we're recording this? Uh Christian,
1: I am fantastic, and it's been a little while since I've been on the podcast. So you know what? Absolutely enthralled to be back. But I'm gonna flip the script, I'm gonna ask you a question, Christian. How happy are you to have me back? Because it's been a little while since we've gotten to be kind of face to face on this on the wavelengths here. Mm.
0: Yes, yes, it is. It has been quite a while, and I am absolutely delighted to have you back, Cody. Absolutely delighted. As you should be. As, you as should I be. should be, because I'm looking forward to to dissecting your takes Um as we as we get to them later and on. And you know, and I know you love my takes, so this is brilliant. Yeah. No comment. Um, Jake, <laughs> what of <have, laughs> Wow. Jake, what
2: about you? Good decision, mate. Uh, another great round of you just, ma- whoa, whoa, whoa. you
0: just made me on your first sentence.
2: I did. Bang. Um <laughs> uh, a fun fact I just noticed actually, both rounds ended in a 4 three thriller. So what more can you ask for? You know, we'll it's always two. a good way. it's always a good way you have that sort of final game, you're mm. buzzing in at the A League, you're ready to talk about it. So if you can just continue to get that, I'm happy.
0: Yeah, so wait. Hang on. So you're talking about the last two rounds? Because, yes. yes yeah. Yes, yeah. Obviously the
2: last round, MacArthur, Adelaide, yeah. and then here Western Sydney,
0: victory, yeah. two great games. And somehow, through no fault of my own, I missed both of those games, uh, either due to work commitments or obviously today, uh, I was obviously coming back from the Adelaide United Brisbane game. So missed the whole of that Wanderers victory game. Anyway, uh, Jack, what about you?
3: I'm good. I'm good. There's a very action packed, uh, a LA lay ground um i just want to go on record and say that really weird interaction between you and cody was just plain weird and i think i speak for the listeners on this one so um yes let's move it right along please
0: listen jack let's let's not forget that the last time that you were on this podcast you annoyed matt olsen so much to the point where he literally asked me to end the podcast because you were just coming up <laughs> with your weird memes so just you know just keep that in mind basically. Yeah, Jack,
4: were you the
1: one
0: that last week
1: um, tried to make
0: a joke about the lightning and
1: just sent the podcast dead silent?
4: Yeah, uh, because yes, there um... were like
0: crickets chirping in the background. <laughs> He's like, "What an electrifying <laughs> round of football!" And everyone was like, "Ah, uh, yeah, missed the mark yeah. on that one, buddy."
3: Well, I mean, they can't all be Muhammad Al-Thai pit bull takes, all right? They can't all be you know the the you know the golden. The, the the golden you know shining apple in the tree you know sometimes you're gonna get a few duds that you know bump the tree trunk on the way down.
0: for for, for, for any listeners that listen to the podcast where Jack brought up Pipple. Uh, like no one told him to do that. I don't I don't know I don't know what <laughs> what 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 he, what what he got in his head that he that he thought it was necessary to bring to bring up Pipple. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it though, Jack. I thoroughly Ooh, enjoyed
3: it. Me oh, not working hard, yeah right. Picture that with a Kodak. I, just, I, I mean know, I exactly
0: know. exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, a few, a few A League teams this weekend. You know, not, not working hard. So, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna get. Actually, the we're gonna get. We're gonna get into. We're gonna get into the most prominent one right now. So, because let's start. Um, with the Mariners and Western United, who, who maybe could do some inspiration from Pitbull, apparently. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs>
3: This has gone too far. <laughs> Unbelievable
0: <laughs> segue. This is this is this is we need to stop this now. We need to we need to put a pin in it. No more no more referring to, to people. Um so the Mariners beat Western United 4 0. That's where we're gonna start in the first game on that Friday double header. Um so interesting fact, the Mariners are now unbeaten in the last six um A games against against Western United. Um but I mean the first question out of this although the Mariners scored four goals look great, yes. Has to be about this West United team at the moment. Um, another, well, you, I, mean, I was about to say another disaster, but you know, when you go off their recent losses, it's not like they've been disasters. This one really was the disaster, you know, to lose 4 0 and to lose in such fashion, 3 0 down at half time, basically playing at a pace which was, you know, akin to a snail, um, for, for large periods, uh, completely lifeless. So, Jake, let's start with you, um, because you've covered this team a little bit. So give us, give us your thoughts on, on them at the moment. Because, uh, what I see is just a team which is disconnected and I, I, I don't know why. Um, for, yeah, it just seems very strange at the moment.
2: Just looking very, very, very dire. Nice in there. So six losses in a row, firstly, that's just mm. unbelievable. And in that, too, only one goal scored in their last six games. That is. I don't remember the last time I've seen the team sort of that dire at the start of season. And this is a team, you know, that has proven to be a good team. So I think it's very surprising for most people. Yeah, I predicted them to be a team that, you know, would comfortably finish in the finals. And we've just not seen that at all. I think, um, you know, in the past, we at least saw some defensive stability from this Western United team. John and Alicia brought their built to do really some defense. And yeah, they wouldn't score, you know, an awful amount of goals, goal spot. At least, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't concede goals. But this season, we're not seeing a good defense, or not seeing a good attack. Just we're seeing good nothing.
0: We're we're uh, seeing shit. Yes, that's what we're seeing this we're, season.
2: We we have we have seen dog shit. Let's say yeah. let one up that because there has been that bad. Yeah. Um. I look, would- I,
0: I I I ordinarily will not use that word on this podcast, but I mean, come on, you've lost six matches in a row, and you're not scoring, and you look like you don't want to be there. I'm I'm sorry, like that's a reality. On Friday, I I couldn't couldn't believe what I was actually watching. If I was a Western fan, I'd be fuming with what I was seeing.
2: Uh, it's, I, 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 in past weeks, I would maybe give them a bit of the benefit of the doubt, say, okay, I've been a little bit unlucky, you know, for next year, some things, they've been unlucky. That was just atrocious. It was very reminiscent of that Western Sydney game where I think they conceded three goals from corners. Um, and just in general, just, just, just were shocked almost. Yeah. You know, like conceded two early goals and just never really looked in the game, simply enough. And look, you know, you can maybe give credit to Central Coast, you know, or, the execution of set pieces was very, very good. You know the two centre backs, they look great. Uh, it's, 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 it's w- w- when you've seen this before now. You know we saw it with Western Sydney game there, where they just cannot seem to do with crosses and corners. I, I, I'd probably throw questions more at Western United, how they're approaching these games, sort of how their maybe tactics are in terms of you know, addressing these are corners. So yeah, I'm, I'm really just to see sort of where to now because look, it's have ha- what happens happened. Now it's time to move forward, and what can we change? You know, like I, personally, I think big change. change needs to Whether it's Aloisi out, I don't know, or Aloisi just needs to maybe change up the tactics. Because right now, I I don't really see anything changing. Sorry.
4: Well,
0: let us get to that because that's that's the big question which some people are starting to ask now. I said last time we spoke about West on the pod. I said like that's I just can't see that happening. There's no way they're gonna get rid of Jai Aloisi. They signed him to a two year contract extension in March. You know, let's not forget that. So, like, I'd be shocked, you know, like he's kind of locked in and, you know, we know the financial situation of some of our clubs and we look at Western and the crowds they're getting. It's probably not great either. Like, are we sure they'd be in a position to pay out a manager, you know, with two years still left on their contract too? So, yeah, that it feels like a situation where, you know, they're, you know, I guess in bed with each other and they have to sort it out um and and get through this. So what's Jack, I'm gonna pose this question to you. What can John Aloisi do differently? What can he revitalize with this team to get it back back on track?
3: I think that he really needs to look out the tactics he's trying to play. Um it's not negative or positive in terms of football philosophy. It's actually just stale and mm. the lack of dynamic movement is is frustrating considering the players he has at his disposal. And I don't necessarily think it's a formational change or a personnel change in terms of the starting lineup. It's actually, you know, trying to be a bit more free-flowing. I think Aloisi has shown through his time at Brisbane Raw and, you know, his championship-winning season at Western United, he's a big fan of playing a system and he's a big fan of sticking to the system and trusting in the system and and continuing to trust it. Um, I think he struggles at times to to let the system go and to try and look at new avenues to wins and to victories. And I think that if he is to remain as Western United's manager for the foreseeable future, he really needs to sort of, I suppose, overcome, Um, I think, this lack of creativity that's really affecting this squad. Because he's got, on paper, like, I think one of the best squads in the A-Leagues. Are we
0: sure? Are we sure? I-
3: I think on paper, it's, it's a very, it's definitely not a squad that finishes last. Like, let let, let me, let me, let me put it that way. Like, you know, maybe, maybe there's a few squads in the A leagues that are, that are slightly better in terms of personnel, but when you got, you know, you got a young rising star, Noel Bodich, to, to look at. You've got an experienced, you know, number 10 slash forward in Lachlan, Wales. You've got Reku Denzaki, who's a dynamic winger. You've got Daniel Pena, who two years ago was a star for the Newcastle Jets and earned a big move to the first division in Korea off the back of that season. You've got Angus Thurgate, who in his time in the Newcastle Jets was a really dynamic box-to-box midfielder who has seemingly lost that dynamic Well, nature. Well, he's,
0: he's not being played as a box-to-box midfielder. You know he's he's been yeah. played as a as a six and a pivot, which boggles my mind. And, um, and it's, yeah,
3: and it's really leaving, and just I, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's really yeah. leaving. uh players like Riku Danzaki, Daniel Pena, Noah Bodic, and Lachlan Wales extremely exposed and isolated, and th- that's what I mean. It's become stale when you play a pivot and you isolate players who really don't benefit too much of, you know, getting into an area, sending the cross in, waiting for a strike to tap it in, actually benefit from the free-flowing movement of players around them and playing a dynamic triangles in midfield or up front. So he he really needs to look at how he sends his team out, if he's going to remain the manager. If not, Western United might have to make a tough decision, you know, come to the latter end of this season, if they can afford to.
0: Yeah, I'm just... But oh, no, I just don't see how how they'd be in a position to do that when he's still got you know so so much long on his contract. Um, yeah, I, I just don't really see it. But Cody, what are you seeing with Weston? Um, like you said, not a lot of things that are very
1: good. I'm not going to say shit personally because of you know, course, I, of I course,
0: positivity merchant. He's not going <laughs> to use that word. Come on. No, look, it's. I think you guys kind of hit the nail on the head
1: when you talk about kind of the system sort of things. I'd argue there probably is an issue with maybe formational, if there's something that can be tweaked there. When West United played the Wanderers, I did speak to John Aloisi after the game, and I actually asked him about why he saw Pena as kind of a right-sided midfielder if he thought he was trying to get something different that maybe we'd seen from him in the past out of him. He said he's just kind of out there, comes inside when he can, but it's, it sounded to me like he was trying to get Pena to fit into a system that he wanted to create. The problem is... That system is not working and it's making Peña a worse player and it's making the squad look worse as well. When you've got a player of Peña's ability and you look, I know it didn't work for the Jets when he was here last time. they still came ninth, but then again, that Jets side outside of Peña probably wasn't the most exciting squad in the league. When you have a player of Peña's quality and you've still got a good side around him, you still build your team around someone like Peña. Put him in at 10. I think Hayden... Says something about this. Yeah, on the let, podcast let me, recently. yeah, because this, so, this is a
0: big discussion point around Western. Um, and I've spoken to a few people, um, about this who some people I've spoken to have actually defended what John Aloisi is doing. Because if you look, you know, deep into kind of the analytical side and where they're creating chances, some of it does come from Pena actually receiving in that inside channel off the right and, and being created from that area. So it's kind of justifying what John Aloisi is doing. The problem is, is that.
1: Can, can I just, can I just yeah, interject? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's, yeah, sure, he's kind of receiving, he's creating chances from those inside channels. Imagine if he could do that on the left as well. Imagine if he was in a position where he could move into both those half spaces here's, and his, actually
0: create something. But here's what you could do instead, and this was my idea. Thurgate, why could Thurgate not play as a 10 on the left side? So why could you not play essentially a box midfield with two 10s? Pena on the right, Thurgate on the left. That, that would be a solution that I think you could put forward because then Pena is still receiving in that space where he can be effective. And that's the space which John Aloisi seems to like. But then Thurgate is playing in a position much closer to where we saw him play at his best in Newcastle. So you kind of can solve two problems there. You could get Lockie Wales. Now, again, underlying metrics apparently is suggesting that Lockie Wales is creating, you know, A lot of their chances as that kind of nine and doing a decent job at that. Personally, I don't see him there as a long term option. I would still have him operating more in his natural role as a winger on the right. So could you play something where Danzaki plays off the left, Wales plays off the right, Bodich is up front? You've got two number 10s in behind. Essentially, you play a back three, you know, so it's a bit more adventurous. I get it. And, you know, what I'm like, like, I think a lot of A League teams should just go for it. There's no promotion relegation. Why not? Um, I don't think John Ellis would play this system. This is just something that I think maybe they could do. Um
3: So basically this is your football manager, Western United campaign.
0: This, yeah, <laughs>
3: essentially.
1: Yes. Yes, this is. This no, is and look, that's that's the problem, Christian though, because we know John Eloise ever since he's come into Western United, he has been I always say a negative coach, but he's been someone that likes to kind of sit back, soak up as much pressure as yeah. he can and kind of play forward. You're not gonna play a three at the back with two wingers and no wing backs.
0: With John Alois' style of player, it's, no, that's. Almost. I agree with you. And, but what I'm saying is it's almost like he's, I'm actually agreeing with what you said initially, where he's trying to fit players. He's almost trying to fit players into an ideology which doesn't suit them. So it's, it's shackling like, players. Yeah. A little bit because he's trying to still play this 4 4 2 rigid. Yep. Hit him on the break sort of thing. Yet, you know, it also you got to think of the defensive side of the ball too, right? Like Pena doesn't want to do this much tracking back maybe as a right side midfielder either so there's that side of it Um, yeah so I just you know for me there are some other concerns with them where you know it is maybe there are some players in there who are aging there's no doubt about it you know it's a little bit of a Sydney FC kind of vibe to it from that perspective and maybe he's playing this system because he's worried about getting exposed on the counter attack well sorry to break it to you but you're getting exposed anyway whilst you're playing this system. So I don't, you know, like we, we it's, yeah, like you could do the same thing and keep losing or you could try and change something and maybe it, maybe it turns. I, maybe he won't change something with formation, but surely we'd expect to see some personnel changes at least in the, in the coming weeks. Maybe he gives a couple of younger guys a go to try and just shake things up a little bit from that perspective. I see, mean, yeah. See,
1: you used to look at Wesley United, At least under Aloisi, historically, they're not a side that gives a lot of young players a chance. You'll talk, look, obviously there's going to be personnel changes moving forward. But I look at their lineup. I can bet money that the change that he makes will be Rukovic who comes in for Bodic. And I'm not going to, look, obviously Bodic has only got one goal in seven games. Some people may say it's not good enough. How much service has he gotten to justify is the key issue in this side? There are some senior players that are not up to scratch, that aren't performing well. But if you look at their track record, I can guarantee it's going to be the young ones to get punished, and it's going to be other senior players coming in. When, rightly or wrongly, that's I, I just genuinely believe that's what's going to happen. And in all honesty, I don't think it's right. I'd look at their environment at the moment. They've got young players that can step up. There's other guys. You've got someone like Kane Vidmar from South Australia. You guys didn't know about, about him.
0: Kane, Kane Vidmar could would definitely he be could, starting. I think that's if
1: anyone's he, watched, he could come yeah. in and make an impact on that side. Yeah. So there's a clear solution that you and I can see. And look, let's be real. We're not experts. We haven't sent Australia to a World Cup before. We're not the ones that should be telling Aloisi what to do. No. Yet we are the ones that see a decent solution to this. And for some reason, the people in the hierarchy of Western United are not. And that is probably the most dangerous part about this
0: inter- situation. Jake, how are you seeing? Uh, how are you seeing Noah Bottage's season? Because I've got, I do have some thoughts on Noah Bottage. They're probably not the best thoughts, but you know, I, I he has he has had a bit of a slow start, maybe, to, to the season.
2: Yeah, I think Noah Budge is an interesting player. I think probably, maybe not, um, I'd, I'd maybe come him to comparing someone like Jamie McLaren, where he's more of a poacher mm-hmm. type of player. He's he, he's not someone that maybe is the best holding the ball up, playing with other, you know, sort of linking up. Uh, he's someone that's very, very good in the box, you know, pouncing on chances, scoring them. I think that's, you know, majority of the goals has been in that six-yard goal, so I think if you're not getting the balls into those scenarios, then he's not going to score as much goals. You know, I think I've looked here, he's only had, I think, two to three big chances this season. You know, in seven games, that's, that, that's not good enough, simply mm. enough. So, yeah, I, I, look, could he be doing better? Yes, but has he been getting the service that, you know, you'd require and probably want from him? No, I, I don't think there have been. You know, you have these, these, these really, really creative players, but they just not seem to, maybe create those great chances, sort of, you know, those balls into the box for Noel Voyage to pounce on. So I, I I you know get in this improvement to Mayday is still a very young player, but mm. there's clearly a player still in there, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly I probably agree with most of what you said. I think he there's a few strikers in the league at the moment. You know, you look at McLaren, who's always been like this, but even Fabio Gomez is like this at Sydney. Uh Botic, you've just mentioned, who they're just kind of they are a little bit solely reliant on service. Now it's not a problem. It's not a problem. But the reason, Cody, I might say it's maybe not the worst move right now to to maybe bring in a Rukovica for Botic is you do need results. And maybe Rukovica can offer a bit more of a holistic kind of profile to the team as opposed to Botic, who still, for me, honestly, I, I still think he's a bit raw. I don't think he's maybe at the level of some of these other young players that we talk about in the league at the moment. I don't think he's as ready to make an impact right now. I know, I know... When he's been in national team camps, he's, he's proven his worth and you've seen his quality. But I don't know. Just watching him in some of these games, he just feels like he just drifts too far out of the game and he's not involved in a way which, if I was John Elway, watching it, you know, I'd, I'd probably want my nine to be a bit more involved. Now that's why he's probably paired him with Lockie Wales, so then Lockie Wales can do that kind of work a bit more. But at the moment, yeah, I don't know. He, he's He's gonna to have to shake something up, maybe there. And I agree with you that it's not right to, if 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 his mentality is, I've just got to drop the younger player because he's a young player. Well, that's not right. I'd look at more the profile of players and what you're bringing in as a result. Now, you know, I'd bring Kane Vidmar for Jacob Trap because he just is a better player overall. Like it's not even about you know playing playing because he's younger and and give him give youth a chance. It's actually no, he's just a better centre back right now, even even. In, you know, even though Jacob Tratz has got the experience, like Kane Vidmar, I've seen him up close. Even when he came in in the brief appearances um, for Western that he's had so far, he's he's proven that he's he's more than good enough. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if anyone wants to push back on my Bottich stuff, um, but it does feel like he he maybe could benefit from a couple games out of the team. That's that's kind of all I'm saying. I don't I don't know. Look. I uh, it comes back to the service again as
1: well. You're not playing a system that it the same thing I said before, you're not playing a system that suits the profile of players. You're not playing a system that Noah Bodge is going to get a lot of chances to prove his worth. You'd play a system where, you know, you've got your creative players that are a bit surrounding him and you can put chances in for him. You never know, it could be different and maybe if they need a different striker for the system, you put in a different striker. But I think I still think it's unfair to kind of put Everything that's happened on Noah Bodish, because no. And, that's, no I, and I'm not, I'm not saying you're going to do it. I'm worried that's what Western United is going to do. And I think it's yeah, just yeah. going to be a really stupid thing. But you're talking about you haven't seen enough of him kind of at this level. Maybe not this season, but remember last season, there was a stage where he was their top goal scorer, Like he was actually genuinely killing it when they were actually playing well and he was with, helping them get I points feel, and I feel, I feel like not I'm games. not, I'm not, so I'm not. where well the decline comes from the fact that they're just playing pretty shit this season. Really.
0: Yeah, I know, but I think that was also a different situation where. He kind of came in. They had a terrible start to the season. And it was kind of like, we're, we're not really going anywhere. Let's chuck Noah out there and see what he can do. And it was kind of less pressure. Whereas now you're going into the season. You've made some maybe decent business is what people perceiving it as anyway. I don't think Riku Denzaki is good business. I can tell you that now. Um, and there's different pressure. There's a the pressure to, you know, maybe we could be a top four team. And maybe he's struggling with that. But anyway, I don't want to talk about this too much because it's making me come across as like I'm some Noah Bottich hater and, and I'm pinning all this on him, which I'm not because I was just about to say, Stephen Lustiger, rubbish. Josh Risden, rubbish this season. Riku Danzaki, rubbish this season. I'm sorry. Like it needs to be called out because they've just not been good enough. I mean, I'm sorry. I've been, I mentioned this two weeks ago. What on earth has happened to Josh Risden? This is a guy who started in the 2018 World Cup against France, you know? And gave away a penalty. But <laughs> you know, there's a guy who, you know, it's only like a few years ago that we were talking not even a few years ago, only like a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, we were saying, Yeah, like he's one of the best right backs in the league, he's fantastic. And I'm sorry, but he's been rubbish this season. Absolutely rubbish. Um, so I don't know if anyone wants to push back on that, but I'm not I'm not gonna push back on it, but you've got players like Pascali
1: and on the bench so they could come in and make a big impact ahead Absolutely. of the players. So Well, there
0: you go. Well, here's two changes you can make straight away. Pasquale in for Lustica, Nazarene in for Dan- Danzaki. Like, mid in for Trat. bid <laughs> <Vidmar> in for <laughs> Trat. Like, there's young players young the side that can make an The reality is you've lost six games in a row. You're about to, th- let's not forget this other thing with Weston where there was this kind of optimism around they're moving into the facility. Maybe they could build a fan base. Like, you don't want to go into their, you know, bottom of the league and basically with no, Nothing to really pull people in. Like you want to go in there and say, "Yeah, we're competing for finals," and yeah, come out and watch our game so we can make the finals. So something something needs to change. Jack, did you have some have some thoughts there?
3: Um, I just want to to see if I could you know wrap up because I, I think this is a a good thing to to wrap up this game on because I think it was a very telling game of where both sides, Central Coast Mariners and West United. Where well, they were both, you know, Central Coast Mariners coming in as the um, you know, defending champions, and and Western United building some good faith towards the end of the previous season, and there was maybe um some yeah, you know, a lot of people thought that they both, you know, back back up those promising. I mean, you know, it wasn't really promising by Central Coast Mariners; they won the thing, but promising for Western United to come in. I think it's that uh, Mark Jackson, to his credit. Has managed to get a steady runner form for Central Coast Mariners, and I think the main headline is understanding of your players on the pitch. Now, Mark Jackson, being a new coach, and maybe this is just um, optimism of being a new coach to a professional team. He has really, even though the team hasn't been at its best, really embraced in understanding more about his players where he they can be, you know, the best. Of their abilities and, and what type of system benefits his players and, and John Aloisi uh, and maybe it's because you know he has won a championship or he he's he's been at Western United you know for a longer period of time is is really sort of not exploring that the way Mark Jackson is. Mark Jackson was even though you know I, I suppose Central Coast Mariners fans might have been worried was I think in most press conferences except for one where he. Was blaming a lot of external factors. I think you mentioned it on the pod, um, but he was saying that. We, I think it was uh, after
0: they lost to Perth. That was and yeah, and, and uh, Matt Olsen wrote a piece on that.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was Matt Olsen. Yeah, of course. And uh, and I think that, I think that it that since that loss, Mark Jackson has, in most press conferences shown up and gone. Look, we're we're getting better. There's progress here. People should see the progress that we're we're trying to make and now it's resulted in an emphatic victory it might be of the worst team in the competition right now but it's still a statement to the rest of the league that the Central Coast Mariners could be building back up to not their very best but to a very competent football team again
0: yeah let's talk about the Mariners um so you think what you're saying they're back or Uh,
3: I'm not I'm not saying they're back as in championship level back Mm. but they are back in the sense that they could be pushing for a top six spot. Yeah,
0: I mean. they look—they look like they're definitely, you know, gonna gonna work their way back to being very competitive, and you know, and in around, you know, the pack as Antonis would call it on uh, on recent podcasts. Um, so what they've done is, I guess, beaten teams they should have in a way. If you look at the table, you know, they won the F3 Derby, they won this game. Two teams that were near them. They are at home. They got it done. Fair play. Um, Can we talk about Josh Nisbet? Um, Because, I mean... Yes. Yes, yes we, we can, can. always talk always. about Josh Nisbet. We can always, always talk, talk about, about Josh, Josh Nisbet. Nisbet. <laughs> Because I fucking love that guy. Um, and he's just a great player. And, you know, he just doesn't get, for me, the the amount of praise that he deserves in comparison in particular to other midfielders. Like, you know... He's he's just he's just fantastic. Like everything he does is is really good. Um and yeah, the reality is he's a bit shorter and he doesn't have the the physical attributes that some other more dominant young midfielders we've seen kind of come through the league in the last couple of years. Like saying an Aiden O'Neill who's now, you know, gone gone to uh gone to Belgium. But I mean, from a technical from a technical standpoint, I think Andy Harper um, mentioned it, yeah, in the commentary. And he was talking about how probably Josh Nisbet is the best kind of driver in terms of a midfielder in the league in terms of having open space and driving in defence. And, I mean, I probably have to agree with that as well. Like, he's he's just excellent uh, in certain moments like that. I mean, should this kid be in Europe already? I think a European scout would
1: take one look at him and probably say, no, thanks, unfortunately. And that's, and that's why I think he's and not, yeah. You know what? It's to our benefit. We get to enjoy a player like that every week. If Europe don't want him, we'll happily take him. We'll happily watch him week in, week out. I don't think he's, I don't know if he's the type of player that would thrive in Europe as well. I think there's a lot that would go against him. Even if a club signed him, he'd probably be further down the pecking order than what he probably should be. The think the biggest thing with him is he has had a club where, despite external, I won't say external factors because it is something that is to do with him, despite physical factors, He's at a club where he is respected for his footballing ability. And the reality is, out of a football career, that's probably all you can ask for. That's all you can want. He's the sort of guy that could state the manners for his whole career, become a real legend of the club, go into the club afterwards, either be a real icon there. And that's something, you know, with the way we are moving in the league, where we are probably turning into a bit more of a development competition where a lot of our better players do get sold off to Europe eventually. That is something that we'll probably struggle to do in the future. So I guess we can kind of. Take it as we can at face value, where we can enjoy someone like him. You point out the fact that he doesn't get the credit that other young midfielders have, or other midfielders have in the league. And yeah, I, I just say could...
0: it, do- it doesn't feel like it anyway.
1: No, and I, I I do agree with you, but there is obviously the re- the factor that his style of play. is a very industrious midfielder. He's not the sort of guy that's going to come in, really take players on, put up, put out a bit of flair. It's not like a Torke Arslan or a Mashash. I
4: don't know. He's but not I think a...
1: technically he is good, though. He's, oh, eyes technically is good, but he's not someone that brings a lot of flair to a game. He's not someone yeah, that true. gets you. I also
2: add, like, um, mm-hmm. yeah, If you look at his statistics over the years, he's never been a great creator in terms of you know he mm-hmm. passes, assists, chances created, etc. I think that's the probably the one thing that's really missing from his game to go from a great defe- uh, great midfielder to a top midfielder that could mm-hmm. yeah, probably go, for example, to Europe. Yeah.
4: So, so,
0: so and, you and don't think a... he's like a top fifteen player in the league, as some people have suggested, which I think was a little bit too far.
3: But but no, he's, he's, close. He's, he's, close. he's he's on the cusp. You you yeah. can't have a conversation about top fifteen, top twenty players in the A League and not mention Josh Nisbet. I think that's an absolutely absurd. I, I saw this. I'm not. I'm not going to mention names, but I there, saw there this was player. a
0: lot of like I don't know why, yeah, but like soccer making, Twitter got like all heated about Josh about Nisbet after the game on Friday,
3: and and they were making twenty. Um, Twenty like player lists that are that are better than Josh Nisbet, and I just looked at him, and I was just like, I don't understand. I don't think you understand what he does for a team. Like it's not, it's not that Josh Nisbet is going to always fall under the radar. A player like Josh Nisbet is never going to get the praise of, you know, a top midfielder in the league, like you suggested, Aiden O'Neill going to Europe because he doesn't play. And shine through in a squad, he makes the players around him better, right, because he puts in the leg work and despite his sides, holds up the ball and allows for other players to get into better positions. He takes a lot of attention without like doing much and i for those who are listening because this, this is an audio podcast, I use air quotes because doing much is 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 a very generic term, but he will sort of. Glide around the pitch,
4: mm.
3: and you won't even really notice what he's doing for his team. But really, it's his running and his industrial nature that opens up pockets of space for players like Tulio, for players like Angel Torres, who's who's starting to show some of his talent and why they signed him. for For a lot of different players, Aluquo who's come back and has settled in nicely at the Central Coast Mariners now. And the reason why those forward players can get space is because Josh Nisbet does the hard yards in the midfield and. Really attracts a lot of defensive attention without doing much. If I bring out the air quotes again,
0: is um is Angel Torres Colombian tramporaja?
3: Look 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 look.
2: look. That's a little unfair, unfair, isn't it? Unfair (laughs) on who? Unfair on who? No no, comment. But, but he's actually someone I really wanted to talk about, though, as yeah. I saw a lot of shouts, uh, maybe earlier in the season, saying Angel Torres worst signing in the whole league. And I was like, look, wait a minute, wait yeah, a minute, because yeah. like you know, I, I'm someone that sort of watched you know quite a bit of his games in Malta. He, someone's really interested in me, like a very very direct. Hang on, did
0: you say you watched quite a bit of his games in Malta?
2: No, no, no. no. I was in like, okay, look, look, like highlights of each game, but like I, I, I wanted to keep up because I was really interested in the signing. I thought you were like, yeah.
0: you were like, when I play my because week out, every- I need to make sure. I've got like the Maltese League. Yeah,
3: yeah, it, it, yeah it's, it's instead
2: more Torres' thing. Because as soon as Central Coast have interest in a player like of him, like him, mm-hmm. where it's young, you know, wing arm like, okay, they're cooking something here. Like if Central Coast is interested, they're probably good. And I think he's shown it already nailing. Four dribbles a game. I think that's the highest in the league mm-hmm. at a good success rate. He's con- he's created three big chances a game, so one point seven key passes a game. Or he got two assists in the last game there. He's cooking. He is if you watch him. Yeah, he is a, I agree. a very 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 direct player. I think maybe that the finishing's not there yet, something he needs to improve. Yeah. But yeah. In
3: Malta.
0: Well, that like, you know, yeah, it's interesting.
2: Whatever worse league, but he's shown it. He, he wait, wait,
3: it. Uh, Jake, I yeah. just want to ask a, ask a question. This is very important. So yeah. most football fans in Australia, you know, you'll start off with you know, maybe the A-League, if you're interested, or the Japanese League, and then you roll into some of the league or a Premier League. There's your, like, weekend on a Saturday, you know, you watch your two A-League men's matches, and then you get dodgy streams for, like, the Cypriot League, the Maltese <laughs> League, start watching the second division in Portugal. You know, like, is that how it works?
2: I'm, I'm not going to take that much credit. I, I, I'm i I'm, I'm, not that much of just a, just stay in my room all day watching football type of guy, but, but I would give a little bit of credit in this case. Cause I,
4: you I, mean, like, but, Christian, okay. right?
2: If if you saw his CV, Someone, and what he played in all these? I think I see Waters sunlight. Academy, like he 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 had a lot of hype around him, so I I went for him. So hey, you know what? To be fair, I appreciate the Maltese League a bit more now because I got to watch a little bit of it. You know, I've uh, sort of falling in love with a baby. Who knows?
4: <laughs> Odd.
0: <laughs> well, if you're gonna stay in your room, Or then do something. Make it football.
2: Exactly.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Oh, we're showing our age now. Um, Can um, I just, can I butt in
1: on the Angel yeah. Torres conversation? Now, Christian, I'm going to put this to you. Maybe even Jake as well, because I think uh-huh. you two are the most tactically astute people that we do have at FPF.
0: Oh, and in foul. that
1: game against, sorry, Jake. Sorry, Jack. I'm not putting you in that conversation. But um, there was a part of that, there was a part of that game, not a lot of part of the game, for a lot of that game actually against West United, did it look
0: like Angel Torres' was playing as a left so back? So what that, yeah, because. Yeah. Mark Jackson, this is this is why it's interesting because I think, like, you know, Mark Jackson is trying to implement his own style a little bit on the team, too. I think. It's, and I know, I know, a previous yeah.
1: clubs, I think it was Matt that kind of dug it up for us. He used to play a kind of like a 3 5 2. It was Harry. And it was Harry. Yeah, Harry did it. Harry, sorry, Harry yeah. did it. Um, But that's what I, I, I noticed during the game. And obviously, we'd just expect Mariners to play mm. 4 4 2. It's almost as it's almost as synonymous as when Sean Dysh plays a 4 4 It's just what you expect. That's kind of what we've accustomed to with the George, Mariners Sean Dyche lately. is cooking
0: but, with that four four two at the moment.
1: Yeah, well, you know what? That's that's probably for another podcast because we talk about Australian football here. But um, no, I, I was watching that game and I kind of noticed that Torres was lying a little bit deeper and you talk about making those dribbles per match and he looked like he was doing it from a deeper part of the pitch where he probably was able to be a bit more effective and there's less pressure on him to get a bit of end product on top of it and he got two assists for it too, so... Maybe it's, maybe that change in system is actually benefiting him as well. It looks like, um, Stormer is pushing up further a little bit as well. And that's right. seen yeah. so- see Jacob Farrell sit as a left side of center back. So, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Marin starting to cook, cook something with
0: change their system around a little bit. And they're actually getting the best out of their players for it too. I have to, I have to, now you want to talk A-League tactics. I have to mention my boy here, Peta Petrov, um, on the podcast because he's, he's the guru. Um, and- And he pointed this out in the second half, more so in the second half where they, where they built, they built up with a three and Jacob Farrell will tuck inside as a left sided center back, which I agree with Petra actually mentioned that, where he's just a perfect for that role as a left sided center back, Jacob Farrell. He'd be just superb in a back three like that. Um, and then Rui pushed higher and then Angel Torres, yeah, uh, came wider as that left sided, essentially like a wing back. Um, but I thought it was really interesting. Um, so for sure. And, but Jake mentioned a really interesting point with foreigners. It's almost like we always assume that they're experienced and they're coming with the experience, but Angle Torres is actually young. You know, he actually is a young player himself. So we've got to kind of remember that. I think when we're, we we're judging him. Um, yeah, let's just hope, you know, he kind of goes more down the, uh, successful foreigner route and not, uh, turns into Nikola Musnich or, uh, or Trampahaja. So, see,
1: this the reason why I don't necessarily 100% agree with that. Yeah, he's a young player, but he's taken up one of five visa spots that you get at a club. And if you're looking to bring in a player that's an experienced one, or take someone out of this team, why take a spot away from a young player that you've developed with your club to bring in an overseas player that's doing the same thing? Like if you're bringing in a visa player, but they maybe they be don't. A-
0: but maybe they don't. See, let's let's not let's not forget that the Mariners are pretty strategic with this stuff. Like maybe they didn't feel like there was actually a good young player coming through who could actually be ready right visa away. Could I don't think the Pizio is that type of player. He seems yeah. more maybe not an out winger, name. but yeah. in, the, in their in their old system as a four
1: in a four four two. He's played anyway, Relax. played a wide area. <laughs> yeah, he's playing like I'll, I'll give it to him, but there was there are those, those options there still. Yeah, I just think look if we if we've got a visa place coming in, I'm not giving them the excuse that they're a young player and that they're inexperienced. They should be better than what we have in this country
0: okay. if you're going to bring them Sorry. in. Sorry, Cody. Sorry. Here I think anyway. Here, I think you will get better anyway. Um I think you'll get I hope some so. I hope he does. And he looks yeah. good.
1: Like when he's playing the way he did on Friday. Yeah. Fuck off. He's a great player. Yeah. But I'm not I'm not giving him excuses for why air performance is gonna dip.
0: Okay, fair enough. I mean, yeah, it's like I'm not giving excuses for Steven Lustiger and Josh Risden if they play shit next week. Um now that took us 33 minutes to uh recap that game. So good, good start, boys. Good start. Uh, looks like we're front, gonna front be here Front page football is
3: Woo! now a Western United podcast. It's <laughs> now a
0: Western United rant podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, all right, let's move on. So Perth Melbourne City was the other game on Friday. Um, pretty successful couple of weeks in Melbourne City. Um, and you know they knew they had this big road trip and they've done pretty well. Um, on that road trip, and Aurelio Vidmar is doing a pretty good job of stemming the tide at the moment. Um, so, Jake, you're the Victorian. Um, what are you, what are you seeing with Aurelio at the moment? Because uh, it's a good win to to edge edge a win against you know Perth away from home is, is never easy. Wow,
2: it's been a fantastic sort of in the uh the Champions League with that you know, draw, maybe they could have got more in that game, but you know t- to get a draw there, a way to go through one of the better teams to be in their group, that was very impressive. And then, yeah, a great win over the Castle Jets, a very like sort of authoritative like, okay, we're sitting, and we're back. And then the Perth one, which I thought was, I, th- I think probably more of an even game. I-, I think it probably was there to be mm. won by either team, to be honest, especially when you, for example, consider yeah Perth and Mr. That was a very, very big sort of changing factor there. And also, I think someone that's maybe underrated, I guess we've sort of forgot how good he is, Matthew Leckie, sort of coming back into the team there, just those fine... Did, did we forget how
0: good he was? Did anyone here well, forget well, how no, good well, he
2: was? Well, well I guess because he's been injured, you just, you yeah he hasn't been talked about. Like, in, like people have, you know, criticized City, but maybe mm. have forgotten, oh, you know, probably their best player is you know, currently mm. out injured. So, you know, he pops up, just that fine moment there to score that brilliant header, bang, you know, you've won yourself the game there. So. Credit credit to the City. they have looking a lot better now. I think they're looking, you know, like like like. I think they can easily yeah, push into that finals again, which is yeah, great to see. Yeah, because sort of you know, when we were sort of transitioning to that Rado sort of period, they did not look like this at all. Let's just say that they've.
0: Jake Rado, Rado's season. number one fan.
2: Yeah, so I hope Rado's doing well. Yeah, I, I, I have heard anything about him. Yeah, you know. maybe we'll get back into coaching, but. Anyways, um, I'm really excited to see though, uh, with the next game against Zaijin in the, uh, in the Champions Mm. League, which is going to be the game to decide that. I'm very, very looking forward to that. Mm. Unfortunately, being paid at, uh, Econ Park, which is a footy oval, so.
0: And also, I think it starts like at 8.30 local time.
2: Yes, 8.30, yes, yes. Yeah, Yeah, which is like,
0: you know, a great, you know, thanks. For the AFC, like, you know, a great way to attract the already excellent crowds, uh that yeah. we already get at Asian Champions League games. So
3: pretty sure the local AFL teams are kicking off their off season training there. So that's to, you know, push the game back.
0: Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, Off season training, <laughs> AFL uh premier Asian domestic competition uh, you know, continental competition That
3: was a joke. That was a joke. All right. Joke, Sorry. but
0: you know, let's let's be honest. If we found that out on Tuesday morning, would we be shocked? Um, <laughs> I just
3: wanted to, I just wanted to touch on this game. I, I didn't get to watch it, yeah. but I, um, did watch parts of it. Um, unfortunately, uh, Optus has not been kind to me, uh, this week. So I'm calling it out live on the pod. is
0: your is your mobile also on Optus? Y-
3: yeah. Um, let's not talk about it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but Optus <laughs> uh, um, I think that that game could have easily been like a three or four goal, you know, shipped by Perth. Like I think I think Melbourne City, you know, even though it was a little bit crazy in terms of, you know, the, the decisions, I think um Cameron Cook kept them in the game for, for large parts.
0: Perth, uh, Perth played pretty well first half, I thought.
3: Yeah, yeah, first half, but I mean the second half. I, I, yeah. Like the second half, like the majority of chances went Melbourne M- City's way, and I thought mm-hmm. Cam- Cameron Cook had another good game. And, and kept his side into it so they could make that, you know, they sort of made a late push to try and get a draw there. Cause that's when my TV decided to work on the stream. That's when Optus gave me my internet back, which is okay, like the excellent. last 10 minutes. So, excellent. yes, uh, based upon my limited, uh, source starter in this game, I think that, uh, again, Cameron Cook proving that he's one of the best young talents, uh, in the league. And now he's probably going to have another stinker, just like our, uh, good friend over in Wellington. So. FF curse It's coming for him. Yes.
0: Yes. That's right. We now curse goalkeepers. So, um, yeah, don't, don't talk about them. Um, mate, there's a reverse curse with Jamie Young. So if we talk, did we talk badly about Jamie Young on the podcast last week? I,
2: th- I think, I think that was more than the, probably the group chat. After. I think, yeah. yeah. It was probably
0: <laughs> just, just off camera. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, probably. All right. Um, the other thing with City. Is, uh, Aurelio, 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 Vidmar agrees with my take around their six situation, clearly, because he's, uh, dropped Steven Yagarkovich in the last couple of weeks, and now he's playing Hamza Saki deeper. Um, so yeah, utter vindication for me. Awesome. Brilliant. Thank you. Love it. Um, is that
1: really he, a positive though? Because you're taking away a good attacking midfielder to sit him a little bit deeper. Well, that,
0: yeah, look, I think it's almost like a slight, Well, it's going to be interesting how it plays out because it's almost going to come come across as them conceding that they made the wrong signing and that they didn't approach that situation correctly because although I agree with you, Cody, although Saki seems as a better option as a six, it's still not his best position. You still want him higher up the pitch, but this kind of factors into what I was talking about with City. I think last week where I said that they're just kind of too top heavy. I mean, now that Lecky's back... And he's fit and firing. It's like, again, I ask, why on earth Leonatel was brought in as a signing for Melbourne City? Um, okay. Anyway, I mean, like, like we said, you know, Lapane had a tough game, I think, against Perth. Not his best. Obviously gave away the ball for the goal, but even outside of that, decision making wasn't, wasn't the best, I thought. Um, but, you know, you could have easily just had Jakulis, Leckie, that's sorted with McLaren. And then you've got Ben Mazio and, and Lapane coming off the bench to fill to fill those minutes if required in the rotation. Don't really see why Leon Nattel was signed. But then the other problem in that midfield is the depth of that midfield for Melbourne City. I mean, you get a key injury to an Arslan, to a Saki. And, I mean, I don't know if I'm really a Vidmar, if I'm comfortable playing Terry Antonis for a consistent amount of games, like with all due respect. To, to Terry. I just don't think he's really at the level to be consistently starting for a team who is trying to compete, you know? Um, So we'll see how that plays out, I guess. Is, is anyone else flagging that as a bit of an issue?
3: I just wanted to touch on something um that I sort of agree with, but was a wild take. And I think that there was a lot of people Ooh, talking about take. it. Wild take, yes, please. Um, I can't remember who said it. I think it was said on the telecast, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um that Matthew Leckie could play as an eight if needed be? No. And- so,
0: Graham Arnold said this in the, his press conference the other day uh, okay, when he was, okay, before so- when they announced the Lebanon game uh being right. played at Combat Stadium. and
2: Okay,
3: was that's talking, where he got it from.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was talking about Matthew Lecky's different positions and for some reason he threw in, yeah, as an eight as well. And I was like, I literally like, I think I went back in my chair for like you a second.
2: What did last season though? No, no, I, I, oh, yeah. as an eight?
0: As an yeah, eight?
2: Yeah, no. Well, the, well, the way they played was Jordan Boss was essentially playing as a winger at times, mm-hmm. and he'd sort of come. Into sort of into the role there. Yeah, well, that's just playing in the pocket.
0: Time. That's not as
3: an
2: eight. Yeah, no, a- that's what? not. That's
0: not like no, what I'm saying no, is what no, I think. No, when, no, I think no. when I think. When I think. When I think of an eight, I think of, like, how Johnny Yell plays for Adelaide United. That's that's what I think of, like, when I think an eight. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, well, I, I, I guess you'd say in a way, the way City play is very different to other teams. It's that, they, like, only, especially last season, like, they had the ball the whole game. You know what I mean? Like, like he would be mm. playing very, very, very advanced, yeah. And he was it, able because he had someone like Aidan O'Neill sort of backing him up
3: there.
4: Mm. Obviously, mm. Anyway.
3: Games. You flagged the problem with playing Terry Antonis, and I think that Matthew Leckie could definitely do a job there. And I agree with Graham Arnold. And okay, I feel that's who we say. I, I want to apologize to Graham Arnold for not knowing that he was the one who said that. So, uh, big up, Sani, I guess.
0: Yeah, he's,
1: he's, he's definitely listening to this. I don't know. Christian, Fuck, maybe he is. Christian, I th- I'm, I'm 90% sure that we had this conversation last season. Did we? There were stages where I don't think it was playing as
0: an 8. I think it was more playing as a 10. But we did speak about... Are we literally going to con- Are we going to like psychoanalyze a throwaway comment that Graham Arnold made in the press conference? No, because I think, <laughs> curi- I think it's... Wait, I think we went, it's, we
3: went, we went um, 35 I, minutes on Western United. We might as well.
1: I'm going to say my piece and then I will let you move on. Because you're talking about if there is a key injury to uh, Saki or an Arslan And mm. look, it may not be Lecky coming in as an 8, but it could be him coming in as a 10. I agree yeah, with you yeah, in the sense yeah. of Terry Antonis can't be a consistent player for a championship-winning side at it, in the current set they are. Like he's a great backup, don't get me wrong. I still think there's quality mm-hmm. in him that you can use, but if you're starting him for about ten weeks straight, you probably should have better options if you want to compete for the title. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's something that we can all agree with here. Lecky is a better option, and I, rem- I the reason why I remember having this conversation was I remember saying this to you last year. Lecky's getting older. He did thrive off a lot of his European career with the fact that he was just really, really quick. Mm-hmm. He ain't getting any quicker. If anything, he's going to be getting slower over the next couple of years, and he will eventually be moving into yeah. No, but I'm talking
0: about right central. here, right now. I'm talking and about right now. And I think now. right here, right now,
1: he can show that he can play that role. He's he's still not as quick as what he was a while ago, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got my words mixed up a bit there. If um Melbourne City are short on eights or tens, 100% you're moving lucky like there. He's got the technical qualities to be arguably the best 8 or 10 in the league. And he's probably got, maybe besides the pace, well, pace isn't as important in those kinds of roles, but he's got the physical qualities to do it too, I think. He's not someone that, yeah, sure, he's picking up a bit more injuries now and then, but he's not someone that looks like he's going to be gassed after 60 minutes or anything. Maybe he'll Mm -hmm. be gassed after 60 minutes if he's told to sprint up and down for that amount of time. But if he's Mm -hmm. playing central, I think he can last that. I think he could do... A 90-minute job there, I think yeah, that's Yeah, again, actually,
0: I mean, look, look. this is all, you know, we're only... It's hypothetical, like a, but I think, like, if you're looking yeah. forward to
1: Melbourne, uh, Melbourne City, let's just say, even next season, if they can't keep a hold of an Arsenal or a Saki, maybe you bring in a winger, maybe you push Leakey to a 10 or an 8.
4: Mm, mm,
0: possibly, yeah. We'll see. I wonder if they do, if they look for anything in January, too. You know, maybe just keep that, yeah. Uh... No we're talking about the side well. being
1: top heavy already. What more do they need?
0: No, in <laughs> terms of you know, maybe if they do feel they need another midfielder. Um it's hard though, because you've got Antonis there for depth. Like we're
1: talking about if an injury happens, if he's able to step up consistently. The reality maybe is. Maybe there's a I better option than Terry
4: Antonis all- out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, but look, why would you go out and seek it when you do have someone there who's not no, I know horrible yeah. in that role? That's what I that's what I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Um Perth as well. So interesting stat. have won actually their last four um four of their last five against Perth in WA. Uh, which is, you know, like a stat like that kind of speaks to, yeah, this is why this, this team is, yeah, always where they are. On Perth, um, interesting points, I think. I think Adam Taggart looks really good. Uh, and I've said this multiple times, but I really do think he's like, his body's right. He's ready. He really could score 15 goals a season. Like, I, like, I really can see that happening. I, I, well, I mean, I can see it happening from his perspective. I'm a little bit worried about the team around him and the style that they're playing at the moment and how it's a little bit turgid. Um, you know, they just seem to be very basically what Jack said before about Western stale. They, they, they're another team I kind of put in that group of, you know, in that tier of stale. Um, so look, they've still got some excitement. I think Salim Khalifi's looked good. You know, he's looked kind of similar to what we've seen from him. Um, under under Ruben Takovic as well from from last year, um, but just you know, how much of an impact could a fully fit Mustafa Romini make? Because we saw it for a little bit in this game towards the end, and Perth started to wrestle back their control. And I think, I think I floated the idea off camera. We were talking, and I think I said it'd be interesting to see a pivot of him and Bazanich together. Um basically you're recreating the Central Coast Mariners of twenty thirteen. Um <laughs> you know, ten years later. But that'd be interesting because maybe they can with that partnership get a bit more control in games and then go from there. Because the other thing is I don't know I just don't think Giordano O'Colly is very effective as a six or in this role that he's playing at the moment. And I think Jake, I think we were talking, you said yeah, like he's better probably higher up the pitch uh closer to target potentially. So yeah, what are you what are you seeing with that midfield set up with Perth?
2: Yeah, I've i I thought they've looked maybe a bit overrun sometimes, sort of the only two sort of sentiments slash CDMs in that yeah, position there. Um, you know, ultimately I remember especially in that sort of Sydney game where the first sort of ten, twenty minutes they were able to sort of manage play through every now and then, but over time I think sort of Sydney maybe learned the way they sort of played out and just completely got overrun. Um, you know, like, like, it's always hard, you know, as a midfield to, you come up against a midfield three. You're just outnumbered. And if you're sort of building really, really good sort of tactics and the way you're going to play around them, and you're just a great player, you can do that. However, I'm not sure if Oli Bozanic, great player, but probably getting on a little bit, and Giro Colley, probably a little bit inexperienced in this type of role, you know, from, from sort of what I've seen from him before. He's probably yeah. over number 10. Um, yeah, you yeah, know, he's a very creative player. so on that final third, you know, can score a goal. I I don't know about him in that. So for example, you know maybe bring in Stupperini there to pivot alongside Oliver Zanich and Colin moves up to a number ten. You know just throwing something out there Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I'm yeah again you know this is a formation we've seen Stupperini play before. I'm assuming he wants to sort of build from this, be persistent on it, and get better at it. So I don't know if he will change it. Probably not. But in terms of short term, I, I I don't know. I'm I'm not sure how many sort of wins they're going to be able to get. If they do, you know, pro, you know potentially persist with this, but I would say they've been unlucky to
0: Perth. Yeah, the other thing with Perth is like, man, you need to capitalize on like penalties and when you're given like chances. Like you're already up against it when you have to travel for games. Like I'm thinking now back to that Wellington game where Polson makes a save off target. Yes, okay, everyone remembers how great that was from Polson, but also it's like, man, away from home, just to like steal a point. Like you have to score that and then. Mr. Penalty, Khalifi, of course, in this game, which would put them 1-0 up. Like, there's just, they're just at the moment. There's big moments and you have to take them. Like, it's as simple as that. If you want to be a team that can, in their circumstances, with clubbing in receivership, always having to go on these big trips away from home. So their waveform is always going to be, you know, mediocre at best. Like, you have to take these opportunities, particularly at home. There's like, it's almost non-negotiable. So, It'd be very frustrating for, for, from a Perth fans perspective. Also, if Alan Stadgis is listening, uh, me and Jake were scratching our eyes out, uh, during the game because he had, because he had right footed Johnny Catrumbus at left back and left footed jo- uh, Jared Carliccio at right back. Uh, it's, it's like literally was the most disgusting thing ever. Um, so yeah, just thought Jake, anything to add on that?
2: Yeah, I, to be fair, I, I watched the game and I don't. Maybe he's like amp, amp, it's not ambidextrous, extra stuff. That's hands, maybe ambipedal, because he looked very, very comfortable in the rifle, To be fair, so yeah. Be wait, you mean college Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but not Katrumbus, though. Yeah, no, 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 Katrumbus, Yeah, looked very sort of <laughs> rifle yeah. dominant. So even again, you know, you know, maybe swap it around. Still doesn't but, excuse you know it. What? Yeah, no, no. That's just how OCD I get. I don't
0: know. <laughs> it's not OCD. I think it's. I think it's, I think it's fair. I, like, right.
2: Yeah, I, again, I think it's common sense. But you know, oh well, yeah. You know.
0: All right. We're, we're almost an hour in and, and we haven't got to Newcastle yet. So Jack's getting antsy. Um, because, because <laughs> c- he wants to talk about the Jets winning 3-0 in Wellington. First of all, did anyone at all in the lead up to this game <laughs> think that this was a possibility? Newcastle beating Wellington 3-0 at, in Wellington.
2: I'd argue this was like the most, like if, if you, if you're a betting man, you put your money on Wellington in this. Like this was the most sort of, Dead rubber out of all the leagues. I think every single game, you're like, okay, you know, could go either way. You're like, okay, Wellington's got this. And then, all like, all of a sudden, just, well, look, I I liked Newcastle. I think they've shown a lot of promise in all of their Mm. games. But to shock uh, Wellington, 3-0, unbelievable. But I think, yeah, we're probably going to get into a bit more. Yeah, we sort of saw maybe some of the luck that's sort of gone Wellington's way over the past couple of weeks, maybe sort of, you know, come against them, you know, in this game because. Ooh, careful.
0: You're going to get some angry Wellington fans I, I, I in think your pants.
2: Like, if, if, for example, the victory game is the first on the top of mind Yeah. No shots on target. They managed to get a draw. Like, that is luck. Like, simply enough, that is luck. Yeah. In most games, they have been, you know, overperformed in XG. So it's, it's only a matter of time before. Okay. You just can't put the ball on the back of net. Newcastle, I think only had four shots on target, scored three goals. It was just one of those games. Yeah.
3: Mm. Um. I I want to talk about even though he probably wasn't one of the key performers, was the return of René Piscopo, um, and how much he does do for a team. I and thought he
0: struggled, in- to be honest.
3: I I okay, so this is this <laughs> sorry. Is, <I'm- laughs> it's okay to disagree. You can disagree. You you can disagree with me all you, all you want. I, I'm going to explain why, just to give it a little bit of context. Okay, okay, okay. And and, and why I think that even though, you know, it looks like he, he's still not there, back to his best, like after his injury. I, I I will I will say that. He's definitely not back to his best. But, um, you know, he was playing in that sort of upfront... I, I say upfront because he was tracking back and being a little bit of a linchpin a lot more. But he was playing in the same position that Trent Bahaja has been playing in um since the start of the season. And I think it really... Yeah, yeah, it's like formation wise, he's, he I thought. I see, I, I second... saw it
0: more like he was playing as a right side of 10 in the 4-2-2-2. Two, two, two.
3: Well, the, the way I saw it was, yeah, Clayton Taylor was, was, was progressing further than, than like Reno Piscopo and he looked like he was playing up front. But the, the way I, I saw it was that Reno Piscopo was placed alongside Stan, Stamatolopoulos, and then mm-hmm. was told to come in deeper and be a linchpin because what was happening in previous games, and it's why um, the Newcastle Jets were a little bit more effective in playing out of the back, um, you know, com- the complete opposite um, than against Melbourne City the, the week prior, was that Brandon O'Neill and Costa Grozos were getting isolated really, really bad when Trepa was playing in that same role. Okay. Right. And I feel like René Piscopo covered. That sort of area where O'Neill and Costa Grazos were also, you know, getting isolated. I think also to their credit, the defenders this week uh, in Philip Kankar, Mark Natter, Vic Smaragas, and Dane Ingham showed a lot better decision making. And I think Ryan Scott had a pretty, pretty great game as well. Ryan Scott's having
0: a great, great season.
3: He's having a fantastic season. I I, th- I think, correct me if I'm wrong, he's, he's in and amongst like the top keepers for, for attempt save. Um, I need to bring up the stat, but he's yes, definitely having a. Mm. Ins- I think an insane season. You know, starting out as as a number one, he's actually top, twenty two saves inside the box. Mm. Um, top of the pops in, in that sort of statistical um analysis. Um, another thing that was I think good for the Jets was Clayton Taylor was absolutely insane in this game this kid. Okay, sorry
0: i'll I'll use what i said about josh Nisbet. i fucking love that guy <laughs> he
3: he was absolutely phenomenal um he's one of the top contributors for completed dribbles seventeen i think he's telling that, that
0: run for the penalty was insane
3: it and i think that you know if you watched um any of the thenisissaafar's m p l you, mm-hmm. you you could tell that he's he's gonna be at the very least, an A-league quality player in a starting eleven just by looking at him. And I think that he can go in even further um, given his early promise. I think he's one of the – in the league, and I, I don't know if you can measure this stat. I think we talked about speed. Um, uh, we've talked about it a few times off-air, but there's two different types of speed. There's speed in a foot yeah. race.
0: With, with the ball and without the ball, yeah. Without, yeah.
3: And he's one of the quickest with the ball at his feet. Yeah, probably, yeah. It, and well, Based on what I've seen, yeah. And he's, even when he had probably a lackluster performance against Melbourne City and couldn't really get a lot going and also missed a few chances, he's still dribbling past players like they're just standing there. And it's unbelievable to see that, uh, that sort of talent, um, getting, you know, a starting 11 week in, week out at a, at a club, which really, you know, given their precarious ownership situation should be playing younger players and should be trying to, to, to get Produce stars instead of trying to obviously buy stars, which you know they were weren't really getting sucked into because of the ownership situation. But it looks like that identity um has been you know at least cemented. I think they're um in and amongst the um top three teams are playing like uh like the least the the lowest average age for a starting eleven uh week in week out at the moment. So uh yeah,
0: the, um Cody because. Obviously Clayton Taylor is a is a New South Wales NPL product. So did you see? Are you agreeing with that? Do you see this coming that he was going to basically just come in and kind of you know take like a duck to water straight away with the A League? Uh yes and no. Look,
1: it's see that Sydney FC side had a lot of good players that could step up into the A League in it. So you know probably wasn't the first person that I go and go to and go, yep, this is a guy that's going to come into the A League, but. That whole Sydney FC youth team could probably start or at least play a part in any A League club. Also, also, boys, just
0: make a note. Also from Sydney FC's NPL team. Just everyone make a note. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay,
1: cool. like and look, I think it's an nature of Sydney FC. We make fun of every time the fact, every time there, um, youth players kind of go to another club and do very well. I, I look, give them credit. They are starting to try and bring a lot of their guys in. Now, you look at players like Jaden Kucharski is really starting to make an impact at that level. Mitch Glasson's really come up. Yeah. So they're Corey Holman as well, another one that's kind of coming into these into their first team now. You're not Sydney FC the rate that they are able to produce players. They're not going to be able to keep a hold of everyone. So look, it's it's a benefit to the league that they do have such a good academy. I'd argue, if you talk about their academy solely and the play that they're able to produce from it, probably the best in the country. Where they lack is then I mean mean, probably should be though right like. Look, yes and no. I wouldn't say Sydney FC is a hotbed for talent in Australia. I'd say Western Sydney is, okay. but Sydney FC just have that pull power where the best players tend to go over there. It's probably because they have been at the top division in the NPL New South Wales for a very for a long time. Look, this may be a hot take for you guys. The NPL of New South Wales and NPL Victoria are the two top NPLs in the country, at least in uh, my I don't opinion. I think that's a
0: hot take. Uh, okay, I,
1: yeah. Look, yeah. it's probably it's probably it's a, it's a it's a cold take, but I don't know how you and South Australia. Maybe maybe were on this party, but <laughs>
0: oh, no NPL. But
1: if you look at the two MPLs at that level, Sydney FC has been the only youth team that has had a team in the top division competing for a consistent amount of time. Mariners and Wanderers only just got promoted recently, and mm-hmm. Macarthur, let's be real, bought their way into that competition, they don't have only been there for the last year or two. So, and they got relegated now. So that that probably says a lot about how things are going on over there. But um
0: the reality Whoa,
1: is all FC, right. anyway, move on. I, I know it's 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 harsh, but it's the reality. Look, of enough the situation. with
0: the Macarthur slander, man. They're top. Anyway, we'll get some.
1: We'll get to Macarthur because I actually have a lot of good to say about them. But yeah, true. The reality is Sydney FC have the best academy in the country. Players like Clayton Taylor are unfortunately not always going to be able to go through the system, but when you have. Quality coaches that are able to be picked up by other clubs and go, Hey, look, there's this really good player that's not getting a look in a Sydney SA. Let's go look let's give him a go. It's a benefit to the country. I think the important thing in this situation is he's not falling through the system and going back to play for an NPL club or back going back to play semi professional football. He's able to stay in a professional setup and he's able to go then work himself into an ALA club because, you know, five or 10 years ago, maybe he does get lost system. Maybe he does end up in the back in the NPL. So we're in a better state as we are now. I'd rather see these players get picked up and go to other clubs if they can't get into Sydney FC's team because other players are getting that opportunity as well. Whether they pick the right players or not, maybe Clayton Taylor could be making an impact for Sydney FC. I don't know. But the reality is it's not because Sydney FC are refusing to give young players a go. It's because they simply can't give them all a go.
0: Yeah. No, I think it's, that's fair enough. Um, There is, there is definitely uh weight to that argument um but yeah anyway we're not talking about Sydney FC and their and their 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 approach to youth uh because that could be a fucking three-hour podcast on its own um Apostolos Stamilopoulos um did anyone see this coming because this guy literally might be why is Cody laughing I'm so confused (laughs) did you just butcher his name no that's spot on apostolos
1: stamatolopoulos like, i just i heard you miss a few syllables and it was really
0: funny i did not miss any syllables mm, I don't know about that apostolos stamatolopoulos okay nice and clear for you anyway did anyone see this coming because he actually like he honestly looks like if you're scoring like goals in a team which you know let's let's face it is not one of the best ones on paper like you know this guy could score 15 goals a season like i don't know Possibly, I wouldn't put it out. And you know, he's always had a really good knack, just a really good goal sense. He probably is one of those ones, like Jake was talking about with McLaren with Bottich, who is one of these poaching types. And right now, he's getting the service, and he's and he's executing brilliantly. Look, Christian, you remember when, you'd remember probably better than anyone. Yeah, of us when in he first came into sure. league,
1: he was fantastic. He I was, Excellent. I know, disappointed in Adelaide when they let him go to Western United, and I thought it was probably a poor career move for him because mm. at that stage, he probably looked like he could go straight to Europe. Maybe did that a little bit later when confidence is like I don't think his time at West United was very fruitful. I can't remember it. I don't. I, I don't think he played much. Yeah, yeah. But really that's played. yeah. There wasn't. It wasn't exactly doing much at West United. Then tried to make his move to Europe off the back of that. I know he went to Greece. I know he's got a Greek background. Probably isn't a thing of trying to. He actually to the did alright in Greece. People, people he, don't realize this. He, yeah, he he actually but was he where was he playing? Was he playing top tier or is he playing second or third? No, division? so
0: he played second division initially and he scored quite a few goals. Well, you don't want to hope a good player in the air league is scoring
1: goals in the second division in Greece. Let's but, be but real. He,
3: he, went up to, he, he went up to the top division in Greece and was a serviceable striker. He, yeah. he wasn't a star player, but he was a serviceable striker for a pretty pretty horrid team that I think went straight back down anyway, mm. um, if I'm not mistaken. I, I don't really follow the Greek legal that closely. Jake? Um,
0: no, worries, just 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 text Antonis after the podcast, I don't, okay?
3: I don't, unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 it's he also did have a spell with the Newcastle Jets. Um, I think it was Imber just before he, oh, just after his Western United, before he went to Greece. Um, and I think that since he left Adelaide, I think again we, we talked about it with Western United. I think there was been a line of coaches in teams that didn't understand the way he plays and didn't mm. understand, um how to utilize him and i think rob stanton has got it right i mean to to his credit to utilize him the best and just say look i just want you to be a fox in the box mm. if a cross comes in he's got an insane leaping ability for actually a relatively short man like a relatively short man for the leaping ability it's, he has not got
2: short man come
3: on um, i've seen him in real life i think that there's a few few numbers uh going astray there. you're taller than him I'm not taller than him. No, 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 no. no. I'm not taller than him.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, just because I'm short, alright, leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> but mm. um I he's actually like physically like impressive. Um I think he's deceptively quick as well. I think he's deceptively quick. I think he's leaping ability. I mean he's not I'm not saying he's short. I'm just saying that he leaps beyond his height, alright? That's what I'm saying. And um I think that, you know, in in Western United barely got a lock in. Um in that season he did play for the Jets. Uh they still had players like I think Demi Petradus was still kicking about. Um they're still trying to to play um this this style where they held possession and tried to dominate teams and, and weren't as reactive. And I think Stamatilopoulos benefits from uh sort of a little bit more reactive in attacks. Um, because he's got a really good instinct of where to be when, you know, a team progresses quickly up the pitch.
0: Yeah. um, On the flip side, Wellington, um, you know, back to reality, I guess. Um, I think Matt Olsen was, like, fist-pumping like crazy uh, during this game. So, (laughs) when the third one went in, it's like... we are making
1: Matt Olsen to be this real Wellington hater. He's... Pretty a, when he, it comes actually, to Oceania he actually probably to football. cares the most about Wellington. It was, he's probably here. the one that's celebrating the winner the most out of all of us, really, just because he more. concerns like, about it, to be I know, fair. He'd like, he still be
0: happy. Yeah, let's address this right now real quick. Put put a, put a pin in it. The funny thing about that whole scenario where we, <laughs> we posted the clip of, of Matt giving his thoughts on Wellington was no one who watched that, realized, apart from us, realised that Matt gives like the most attention to Wellington out of anyone here. So... You know, um, yeah, but let's, yeah, I I reckon, I reckon let's, let's leave any, uh, let's leave any jokes about Matt and Wellington for, for a little bit. Um, but it's interesting because Jacob Spoonley, I believe is his name, the co-commentator who was with Jason Pine, made a really good point during the game, which I think is something which is going to play out over the course of the season. I think Wellington last season dropped something like 15 points from a possible 33 against bottom six sides. I think from memory, it was the stat that he said. And that's last season, and obviously they've got a new coach, slightly different system this year too. But the personnel and the personnel is very similar in in most areas, and the identity is very similar too. I feel it's kind of probably doubled down a bit more to be even more defensive. But the point remains that you can't play three sixes at home against a team like Newcastle, like with with three midfielders like that with that profile. Like you just, th- there are scenarios in that game where Wellington are building out from the back and you've basically got three midfielders standing in a line in midfield all offering for the ball from 10 meters away. And it's just kind of like, you need someone who's able to break the line and to actually receive them between the lines. Now, what they do is they use it with cry and Barbarousas What I'm saying is like, listen, you're top, you're playing a team who has been unconvincing and is struggling. You're at home, like maybe bringing Ben Old, maybe bringing Sam Sutton, maybe like just tweak it a little bit to be a bit more adventurous. Now, I understand why you don't want to do that. Like, why would you make any changes? you you you're, top, you're, you're firing and stuff. But I think this is what Jake's kind of saying right at the start when we mentioned this game, where I think a lot of the games so far have suited Wellington and their style. But it's going to be really interesting over the course of the season when they're at home against teams which they should beat, in quotation marks you know, on paper or whatever it might be. So let's say maybe they've got I actually think they do have West United next week, don't they? If I'm not mistaken. So I don't know if one of you can check that for me. Wellington have MacArthur. They got MacArthur. Okay. Uh but oh no, they had Weston last week, as I'm getting confused. That's right. My bad. Uh so they got MacArthur, so that's gonna be interesting. In fact that's interesting for really a whole other reason because MacArthur are very similar in them wanting to sit back. But Point is, Wellington, I think, this is not the first time this maybe result was going to happen. Not maybe 3-0. I think, like Jack mentioned, this was kind of a Newcastle clinical. No one really saw that coming, and I don't think that's going to hold up maybe over the course of the season. But I think Wellington are going to maybe give away some points at home against teams that they should beat. And I think because their personnel doesn't really suit that way of playing, where they actually have to go and force the issue, be the team that's on the front foot, and create the chances. Um, where a team plays into their hands, they can sit back and hit them on the counter. I mean, they're loving that. So, you know, it's going to be interesting how that kind of plays out. Is that anyone, anyone kind of flagging that as well? I, I don't know if I'd
1: 100% say that. I think they're still there. Look, we know they're going to be a team that sex up pressure. And when they could do that, well, they're going to get results. I'd argue at home, that's probably where they should be implementing it the best, in my opinion, at least. It's probably even on the, on the road. They're, they're a team that, is designed to soak up a lot of pressure. And nine times out of 10, it's going to work really well. I think the biggest thing with a result like this that had on the weekend, there is still a lot of young players in there and a lot of players that are kind of just starting to become first team members. Well, not just first team members, but actually starting players in an A-league side. You're going to have teething issues in it. There's going to be games where if you can't get a stronghold on it immediately, they're going to fall a little bit by the wayside and have a result can't go, go against them. Newcastle side where they, they, they have been building for a while and where a performance like this is probably going to happen. Eventually it was just this perfect cosm of we- Wellington weren't on their day. Newcastle were, we got this really freakish result that no one kind of saw coming, but in a way it may have actually been building to it a little bit. Jake said at the start of this conversation, West, what, I keep about, keep about to be saying Western United for some reason. I don't know why. Wellington have been a little you, bit You, Weston, and I, some, we already did 35 minutes on that. Yeah, this. I know that. That's probably why it's in my head we spoke too much fucking about them. Um, too much fucking Welling- about them. <laughs> <laughs> my dear old Christian. Um, no. Getting Wellington probably earth. have been fortunate in some games. There was always going to be a situation where they kind of were brought back down to earth. I still think they're a very good side. I don't think this is kind of a back-to-reality situation. I think their reality is still they're one of the better teams in the competition this season. And Newcastle are always going to have a result eventually where they were going to be able to blitz aside. It's happened this weekend. I don't think it's going to be warning, warning signs or anything that they need a change in their system or anything like that. I still think they can keep going the way they're moving forward. It's a learning experience for them, really. I think
0: they'll be better for it, if anything. Yeah, okay. A couple of interesting stats before we go to a break, too. So, Newcastle broke a four-game losing streak uh, against the Knicks in Wellington with this result. And also... This is unbelievable. No one actually mentioned this going into the game. Both teams were on 599 A-League goals going into this game. So Wellington obviously now remain on 599 going into this MacArthur game. And obviously the Jets are up to 602. So congratulations. Newcastle hit the 600 mark, uh, for goals in the A-League on, and uh, on the Wellington League can do it on
1: a Monday night in MacArthur, maybe.
0: Yeah. Uh, cause, cause that lady United couldn't. So let's, uh, let's see. Let's see if they can. All right. We're gonna take a break. That was an <laughs> 15 minutes talking about three games. Wow, we are nuts. Um, it's also a Sunday night. Anyway, let's take a break. When we're back, we're gonna talk about the other three games. Uh, from round seven. Okay, so uh, it's 10:30 where I am. It's 11 o'clock where these guys are. It's Sunday night. This is the this is the dedication that we have to uh to our to our average takes. Um, so, Sydney and MacArthur. <laughs> Sydney and MacArthur was the next game. Uh, MacArthur, stunning 2 new win. Um, first question. I know Sydney went down to 10, but same old Sydney. Anyone want to take this? Uh, look,
1: I think with Talei coming in, we kind of expected them to revert to this 4 4 2. I think. Look, I wouldn't say the same on Sydney, but having 10 men is obviously not ideal. And when it's a very experienced keeper as well, it just kind of makes things a lot more worse than what it needs to be. The reality is Sydney FC still look like they're playing a lot better than what they were pre talley when Corica was there. And you're talking about losing to a team that's now coming first. So is it really as disastrous as what people are probably going to make it out to be? I'm not saying we are. I'm not saying people have yet. But... When Sydney FC don't do well, people tend to lose their shit. So, I I think this is just kind of a run-of-the-mill
0: result, all things considered, in all honesty. Now, look, it's not that it's disastrous. It's more, and you got to give them credit, they went down to 10 men and they were arguably the better team. So, you know, fair play there. But it's more that they just seem to consistently put in these performances where it's kind of like you create, you create. You've got all this quality. And you looked a better team, but for whatever reason, you just can't capitalize. And I don't know why exactly that is, but like that did look like a Correa performance. Like let's not, you know, beat around the bush there. It did like you could see them losing a game like that under Steve Correa. Now it's, it's only like his third game in charge. So I'm not going to jump to any conclusions there at all yet, but you know, it's just kind of important to note that. And I think even seeing some Sydney fans and, and their reactions online and stuff is that there does seem to be a lot of more pointing now to the club and that there's the squad building and the, you know, inability to phase out certain guys. i.e. you know, maybe someone like a Ryan Grant or Andrew Redmayne, uh, who we'll talk about, I'm sure in a moment. Um, and how it's just, is the squad is just imbalanced from an age perspective as well. Um, which we've, you know, I'm not going to get into this because we've spoken about it already numerous times on the podcast. Um, so yeah, I don't, you look, played well, went down to 10, played well, should have won, but it's kind of one of those games again where I think Sydney fans are going, you know, we should have won, but we didn't. Are you, Jake or Jack, are we, are you seeing this as just like a common trend with Sydney FC? Um, y-
3: yes, yes and no. Um, I think that, you know, when your goalkeeper gets a red card, like, you know, honestly, there's not a whole lot you can do in that situation. It it is, you know, pretty dire straits when it comes to that. But I want to question the the substitution of the goalkeeper because I, 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 this is might be a personal opinion and, and and how this game might play out. But I would have thought that if any of the strikers were going to come off, if, when, you know, you have to substitute a keeper on, it would have been Fabio Gomez. Because I think Patrick Wood is way more industrious and could have helped Sydney FC. You know, I don't know if they would have won, but, you know, he sort of, with his pace, he can sort of defend from the front, so to speak, and could have maybe helped to contain a lot more, whilst Fabio Gomez, like, you know, he he's sort of just that, that guy sort of aimed for it. In the box, and he is not as industrious. So, I uh, I think True, that. But they, but
0: they were on top though, like even with ten men. Like, so you still kind oh, of could have used the focal point.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not discussing that. Yes, they had blind share possession, and still mm. Macarthur were very reactive in their counter attack. I'm not, mm. I'm not denying that. I just think that look, if you were going, obviously they, you know, stuck to the game plan. After that red card, they didn't really change much, and that's why they took Patrick Wood on. I just think that maybe if you had left him on and you played a little bit more reactive style, forced MacArthur to have more of the possession and played against MacArthur's strengths, which is playing off of the mm-hmm. counter, mm-hmm. they could have been more effective. And that's why I say it's, it's, you know, is it, is it something to do with Sydney FC or is it just the isolated incident of Redman getting sent off and them having to play with 10 men for a vast majority of the match? I think it's a bit of both because the, the decision making, even in that, you know, it, in that sort of way it is like, oh, I'm going to take the the younger striker off and keep the more experienced guy on, which, to me, still is you know a little bit of same old benign mm-hmm. Sydney FC decision. So you know, I just wanted to flag that. I don't know, you know, Sydney FC fans feel free to give feedback to see if you know, well, well, we still had most of the ball, so it didn't really matter in the end, you know. Yeah. But I just feel like if you were to just go, okay, what if we played more reactive because we're down to 10 men and force MacArthur to make a game of it and have Patrick Wood counterattacking, attacking, that might have been a better way to go about it. But it's very difficult to change that, that sort of identity, especially with someone like Ufu who, who, who likes to play that style of football. Comes yeah, from well, the same school of thought as Arnie. So
0: yeah. Um, and Correa. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, and <laughs> before, <laughs> before we really get into this game. We have to talk about the Redman, uh red card. Um so first of all, Andrew Redman, um, if you're listening to this podcast. I don't know if you if you watch Jamie Young against Newcastle or something, um, but that's that's that was a bad example of how you goalkeep. You're not supposed to charge out of your goal forty yards, um, with no real idea of what you're doing. Um, so just a heads up on that one. Now, the incident itself, um uh, <laughs> anyone think it was harsh? Anyone think that maybe it should have been a yellow? I'm not going to
1: say I agree or disagree with it. I'm going to say the way the handball rule is in football now is so convoluted that you can never actually tell if they've committed a foul or not. It's It gets to a point where it's ridiculous. Look, it's the way it is with football. No one's ever going to agree on on a certain thing. I've heard people have discourse about it where one person will say if the hand's away from the body and the ball hits a hand, no matter what, no matter the situation and no matter what you were doing, it should be um a foul and whatever resulting card comes after it other people say it should simply be hand to ball not ball to hand you look at the latter what has red man done he's tried he's tried to move his arm away from it i think it's look in a way it might be harsh but by the laws of the games he's denying a goal scoring opportunity i'm pretty sure he gets he doesn't get in the way of it that might actually be going in so I can't remember exactly where that shot was going off the top of my head. I do
0: apologise. It is late at night. It might have <laughs> been off on target, but there's there, a shot. There was a, a shot. Defender, That's probably the main thing. True, but there was a defender directly behind him, like in the exact same line of the ball. So, right. and let's yeah. let's
1: put it let's put it this way. Let's say it wasn't Redmayne. Let's say Redmayne was gone, even further walkabouts, and wasn't even there. And it was a defender that made that challenge. Would we be as Cautious to say it's a red card because in that case you're sending a keeper off. or in this case you're sending a centre back off. Would we yeah. be debating as much? Would we be looking into it in into it I, as, with as much detail. I,
3: I, it's interesting you brought up the um, the Jamie Young scenario from from the previous round uh, because you know I think that that was a correct decision the previous week. Only a yellow. I don't think that was a red. Not in my opinion because I again I think that. Um, with some of these rules, I think that it's, you can contextualize a little bit more with the, the Jamie Young decision. You can go, okay, well, there was a defender relatively nearby. Yeah, the goalkeeper, you know, goes out of his box, but it's, it's off towards the sideline and it's not a clear and, Obvious goal. My, my problem with that one
0: was more like I feel like he just literally hip and shoulder and oh, charged the player but, with no intent to get the ball. But anyway, <laughs>
3: but 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 like if a, again and, and Cody said it as well, if a fullback you know charges a bloke with no intent to get the ball in that situation, it's a yellow. It's not a red. All right, there's no studs up. It's not a dangerous foul. And yeah, it's not prob- a clear, yeah. no, a clear probably clear right. and obvious. Yeah. And then but, when it comes to red main, I think when you say the handball rule is so convoluted, it's really hard to tell. And this is where it comes into it. You can't really go, okay, it could have gone either way. You could. Have, you can't really – I don't think so because, like, it hits the hand and the hand's away from the body, okay, and that's central, you know, the keeper's so far out, then you can say, yeah, clear and obvious red card, right? Like, if you look at it logically like that, logically it seems like the right decision. But, again, you take all of the sort of football out of that scenario when you just say, ah, hand away from the body, you – you need to have room to move in terms of how you interpret it. And I, I think that's, you know, this is a much bigger issue than a Sydney FC Andrew Redmayne getting sent off in a league game sort of scenario, but the handball rule is really, really rigid, right? For a reason, because if it happens in the box, like obviously teams want penalties and, you know, want that chance to, to get a goal and when it comes to this where a keeper's way too far off his line again stupid decision by Andrew Redmayne he only really has his self to blame if he's not in that situation coming way way off his line then this really doesn't happen because there were defenders around that could have covered but you know there there's no it's not up for interpretation anymore it's hand away from the body but it's not about oh is the hand pushing towards the body if there, is there any you know intent and there's no intent behind Andrew Redmayne to to stop the ball with his hand. It it ricochets, and really, if you look at it, if it was a fullback, it wouldn't have been a send off. I don't think because but, there was defenders around. J- Jake
0: Jake looks very keen to push back on this.
2: Yeah, he will. Yeah, I I I I I think. Yeah, get in the bin, Jack. What <laughs>
0: to
2: fullbacks? It's it's true. You're 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 not considering the fact that okay, so if a fullback sort of makes that sort of dog so or potential dog so sort of foul there, there's still a goalkeeper at the end of the day. There's still someone that can use their hands and try to stop the shot. If a goalkeeper rushes out of his box, cleans up a player, yes, even if it's wide, um, there's no one else there. The goal's open, you know. Yes, there's a defender trailing, but for example, I, met, I remember a goal Nishan Blue play scored recently where I think for uh, international duty, where uh, the goalkeeper rushed out. It was a tight angle but you're still able to put it in. If you're a professional footballer, a lot of these guys are pretty damn good. And even those tight angles with no goalkeeper, you could just pass it in. So, for me, if you are a goalkeeper, you either use your hands, or you know, for example, Jamie Young just completely body. Uh, I forgot who it was, Archie Goodwin. Um, yes, even though it's wide, for me, it's it's a red card. Simply, if you're a goalkeeper, you take the player out. There's no one in the goals. There's there's no one you're know, really preventing it. For me, it's a straight red. Simple as that. So I personally thought any- Jamie Young should have been that, and I think Andrew Redmayne was the correct person. Have,
0: have any of you guys? Have any of you guys? Uh... It's a, it's an older movie. Have you guys seen the movie Mean Machine at all? Yeah. <laughs> have you seen the scene? Have you seen the scene with um? Jason Statham plays the goalkeeper, and he's like a psycho. They're all prisoners of the team, and he like comes charging out of his goal forty yards, and like just jumps and studs, he studs a guy in the face. Uh, yeah. So I mean, that's obviously a red card. Um, but yeah, I think it's an interesting point because um, what Jake says, I think, is true but i don't know if it's necessarily like is that how referees are viewing those scenarios like i don't i don't know you know what i mean i think that it's more of a they're viewing them more as you know are they are they playing at the ball now which i still don't think going back to that one last week champion i don't think he had any intention to play the ball which is why i i think that should have been a red card but anyway but this red man one I think Jack might be right in the sense that it probably did he really have an intent to handball it or was he just out of his goal and, you know, he just kind of had his arms by his side and the shot just kind of hit him in that area. Or, you know, did he actually fling an arm out? Like, I don't.
4: I don't I, know. I don't think know. it
1: matters whether there is intent or not. If the bo- the arm's away from the body and it hits it and it just denies a goal scoring opportunity, it's a red. I, I think he tried to get himself out of the way of it, but it's not how it worked out. Unfortunately, it still hit a part of his body. It probably hit further closer to his chest. There wasn't really much more that he could do about it, but by the word or by the letter of the law, it's a red card. And I don't think it's the one that, look, I know I said the handball was convoluted. And it definitely is. I don't think this is a situation where it's been interpreted badly, though. But you still get the conversations around it where people don't know what the technical rules meant to be, what's actually meant to happen. So it still leaves it up to debate where you don't actually know if the decision was correct or not. But I don't know if there's many points where you can argue the fact that, you know, he's technically handballed it, it stopped a goal. The natural course is to get sent off. I think, like, personally, I think it's the right call. I can see why people would be frustrated with it, but I don't think there's much to argue about it either.
0: Yeah. The Red Main thing, we could, you know, analyze it whichever way we want. I'm sure there's all differing sort of opinions out there. But what it did mean was Adam Pavlosich got an opportunity to, to, to come in. Now, Jake, I'm going to ask you about him because when he came on, I was like, oh yeah, Jake's, Jake's mentioned Adam Pavlosich before. Uh, in, in some conversations, and yeah, he rates him quite highly. So, you know, what's, uh, I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure you've mentioned him as like, yeah, like he's pretty good. Like, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, well, I, I, I did notice in the recent under 23s camp, which was, you know, quite surprising, guessing that really he played a lot. Um, he was called up for them. So I was quite surprised by that, to be fair. But yeah, I, I know he's been a pretty consistently good goalkeeper for Sydney's NBL team for a while. So it was good to see him get his chance. I think that's his really second game, I think, ever for the first thing. So great for him. And obviously, we'll get the next game, you know, probably the start as well. So, could be a good thing, especially with you know Redmayne getting older a little bit. Could be a good chance for him to sort of maybe push himself, yeah. You know, sort of yeah, maybe get a starting spot long term. You know, obviously Redmayne, I think he has another year after this on his contract. But yeah, maybe after that, who knows? he plays well enough, but I probably wouldn't expect him. Yeah, you know, like like when Redmayne comes back, realistically, he's probably just going to get his bomb back. You know, he's he's just very loved. It seems something that city community. So, uh yeah, well, no, we'll see.
1: Can I put a throwaway comment in there about this kid? Sure. Obviously, his younger brother, um, Anthony is the one that
0: went yep. to Bayern. Playing for Bayern's under-19s quite yeah, regularly at the moment. Adam, Adam's the better brother. That's, that, or maybe it was you who said this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you now, he's the better brother. <laughs> okay, well, where's Adam's Bayern Munich contract? Don't know, but I'm telling you now, he's the better brother.
4: Alright, alright. Alright.
2: Well, to be fair, he is older as well. Like, he's, I think he's 21.
1: He's yeah. older, but I remember watching him in the under-17s World Cup and he, was genuinely someone that was able to make an impact for this team. He was someone that was very solid, very assured, comes off his line well, commands his back line well. I didn't see those qualities in his brother. I think, look, in all honesty, I'll be honest, the under-17s Asian Cup was the first time I watched um, Chopper quite consistently. I think, Christian, even you said it to me, we were a little bit underwhelmed. But, look, he's a 16-year-old kid. If you need not see much of him, you only see him in a tournament. You never know. There could be other factors that are at play. But... I've watched a lot of Adam. That guy is a very, very good goalkeeper. And I'm telling you now, if Redman does slip up, he's someone that could probably actually push for that number one spot even now.
0: I'd, I'd back him for it. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Well, I mean, even Andrew Redman, like he hasn't had the most impressive of seasons either. Um, outside of this red card. And I think a lot of Sydney fans are growing a little bit disgruntled with him. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe maybe there's an opportunity for Adam Pavlovic more regularly, you know, sooner rather than later. Um. All right, let's talk about Macarthur because Macarthur FC, ladies and gentlemen, are top of the table after seven rounds. So you can, hey, I agree with them, but for the time being, throw all your cowbell crowds takes just in the bin for a little bit, okay? Because yes, Jack. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I just sort of it, it it just popped into my head. Um. This is going to be another just weird reference, and it's just going to add ta- up time in the podcast. But I'm going to say it anyway. Does You're anyone... the one who
0: wanted to go to sleep, are you not?
3: <laughs> I I do, but I also want everyone to have a good time. So <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Good times um,
0: require no sleep.
3: Um, I'm I'm feeling like uh the the mid 2000s um, professional wrestler Zack Ryder. He's st- he's still around today, but he's in the indie scene. Because I'm going um, he used to go woo woo woo, but I'm going moo 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 because because the bulls. Thank you very much.
0: Oh, man. Oh, (laughs) man. So lame. So lame.
3: It's so bad. It's so So bad. bad. How the fuck did you get that? (laughs)
0: Who who gave Jack a mic? I don't know. He fucking brought it himself. What do you want? (laughs) Bro, he brought the mic himself. What do you want? (laughs) Oh, my God. The question should be who invited him on the podcast, I guess. That's that's my fault. Yeah, um, that was you. (laughs) Yeah. You
3: you thought you were going to get away with it, but you didn't. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: clearly, clearly, I
3: didn't.
0: <laughs> no, no. no, look, MacArthur deserves praise, and we're gonna try and get through this by giving them praise and not mentioning some negativity. All right, let's let's just try and have a have a positive discussion about MacArthur. Yeah, no, in all seriousness. So the first thing for me, German um, is just, 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 just French, French kiss. Yeah, that that's. that's <laughs> Fitting, not fitting. Not French French kiss. What's it? Chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I was just saying fitting because it was French. I don't know what you're trying to do.
1: I don't and know. Does that writer
3: comment really destabilize your? Yeah,
1: yeah. You've destabilized <laughs> my brain
0: with that with that lame joke. No, look, let, let's let's
1: the, get back let's get back on track. Valère Germain, yeah. look, I had my dates about him coming into the season. Oh, He's man. genuinely it's looking like probably one of the best, if not the best, no, one of the best strikers in the league. I forgot Fornaroli is still around, so that title is not up for grabs it, at the moment. But
3: I have a question for if for all you guys, if like okay, maybe. Take out Western United from this equation, but if Valerie Germain was at any other A League club, Valere. damn. Okay, where's Sorry. the why? <laughs> I don't know. Shut up. I guess. <laughs> no, all right, You're saying. You're saying. If, yeah, if he was at any other A League club, like, would there just be like a huge crowd uplift? Like, they'd just be going, oh, this guy played in the Champions what League. I, hey, what
0: no, I just no. say, hey, what did I just say two minutes ago, right? We are not... We are no, not no, no, look, look.
3: No, I'm vale- just saying that for his star power, because he's he's a player of... How no, many
0: people but- are going to... No one's
1: turning up to watch Valerje Mane. It's not a Lewis nanny or anything like that. That's He's not yeah. going yeah. to bring in a crowd. Let's be real. He's not that type of player, Jack. He's I mean- a great player. He'll, he'll win you a league, and it looks like he could be doing that for MacArthur. I don't Whoa, think. Oh, you're of there?
0: Whoa, I'm not there. Relax.
4: I'm Jesus not, Christ. No,
1: but okay, look, they're coming first. It's eight it's seven rounds in. They're uh, they're a contender. That's the reality of it. That's that's the situation we're in right now. I don't think it's that interesting thing to say. It's too early to say it's definitely gonna happen, but I think it's also too contender. early to say it's definitely not gonna happen. Well, when you say
0: contender, like what do you mean? Like contender for the championship? Yes. Uh, I think I think that's too early. No Christian they're coming
1: first at a certain point in the league. They are amongst the contenders. Are they far and away going to win it? No. There's other teams. There's probably four or five. We're contenders not even the third the, title into the right season. Now. You know that. Does not mean someone can't be a contender for a for a title, man? Christian, they're coming first. They're playing good. They're undefeated. Why can't they be in the conversation?
4: Uh, I, I, who, would you, come, who would you put in the conversation?
1: Now? They could be. Who, who would you be putting in the conversation right now then?
0: Honestly, I, I have no idea because that's the nature of the league right now. Jake's agreeing with me. Like, wh- Who who can you say right now is a contender, the definitive? Okay.
1: MacArthur, Brisbane, Victory. I'd put Wanderers in there too. City will probably go on a run. I don't think you can count them out. There's I'm not saying that there's a narrow group of like two or three that's on this really tight title race. But you can't sit there and tell me
4: that MacArthur aren't put Showing that they're capable of winning the league this season. So the
0: reason, the reason you could say that they are is because, and it's something I said about, I'm not sure if I said this on the podcast about Wellington, where I feel this style of play of absorbing pressure and hitting teams on the counter. Sorry, I was meant to include Wellington in that as well. Yeah, no, I noticed that you didn't, which you know I was gonna. Yeah, like getting real about slip that. The tongue. I just forgot about it. You know, if you're putting Macarthur in there, then obviously you're saying Wellington's a contender as well. So, which, and I'm going to disagree with both because the reason as well is you can have your system and it can work, but fundamentally, it's always going to boil down to quality. Now, I don't think, I don't think Macarthur have enough quality, and they certainly do not have enough depth to maintain a push near the top of the league for the rest of the season. No way. No that's, something we find, that's something we'll find out by around 20.
1: But right no now, way. they're top of the table, and right now, I, I think they're in a title race. Not in a title race. Right
0: now, I think they should be in the conversation. Well, it's easier to say that they're in it right now because they're Yes, yeah, so that's why I'm saying it right now. You no, know, but I'm saying to you, yeah, but yeah, but okay. Well, if we did that any season, like, you know, I could say right now in the Premier League, well, Aston Villa definitely contenders for the league title but don't get me started on that because i'd probably say they are but that's another conversation yeah well this is what i mean well no obviously they're not because they're going to have a drop-off at some point you have to envisage this stuff and i'm saying to you that i don't see Macarthur staying up there for the whole season no way
1: i i can tell you now the way that okay maybe i won't say it definitively but i would be very shocked if they drop lower than fifth by the end of the season
0: Okay, no, that's all right. That's, I'm, that's I'm, a solid take, okay. but that's until, the until take. they because start they on that drop-off, off, I'm going to say sure. they're in a
1: title conversation.
0: Okay, that could be fourth or fifth. I could see that for sure. No worries. You know, I, I would happily agree with that. But I'm just saying, if there's anyone out there who thinks like, oh, like MacArthur, like a guaranteed top three teams, like, okay, relax, because I don't think, although I think the style of football can work that they're playing, I think they haven't had, you know, major injuries hit them yet. You know, I don't think, and I don't trust their depth, and I also don't trust some of their players to perform consistently. Like the other thing as well is, I'm sorry. Like I know they've been solid. Jonathan Aspro was excellent. Jonathan Aspro's was excellent against Sydney. I have to I have to tip tip my hat off to him. But that pairing on paper, Jonathan Aspro and Tommy Uzcock, I'm sorry, is not a pairing that is going to be a top two team in the league come the end of the season. For example, okay, obviously you got Mad Yerman as well. Yes. But as we've seen, Matt Yeoman is not the player that he was like, you know, three years ago, right? So, again, fundamentally, let's not overreact to some of the younger players I've got too because they're going to also go through their bad patches. Let's not forget that as well. Jack every Holman club looks- every club goes through their bad
1: patches, but Every club's going to have a moment in the season where they decline. So I don't think this is a, a problem just solely based around Macarthur. Every club's going to go through it. Wanderers will go through it eventually as so well. They'll decline. Wellington will go through it as well. They'll decline. Brisbane will go through it. You
0: yeah, know, which gets MacArthur, back to my point, will, what I'm saying to you, where you can say that no, you cannot say like every that. Every club's going to go through it. So the fact right? that
1: MacArthur are going to go through it while they're coming first, how far, how, how far realistically can they drop off? They're okay. definitely not going to go and finish ninth.
0: Okay. But, and give me one second whilst I get the league table up, because like you're saying they're first as if like they're five points clear. Like, they're not, not five forget. points clear. I know five, they're not five the, points the clear. the reality my is, point is, there
1: is they, three points difference between first, first and fifth. Any one of those teams are in a decent position to go on and say at least within themselves, we have a good chance of. By the time the season ends, we could be top spot. Any one of those teams in the top five, even Adelaide and City, who aren't too far behind, can say, you know what, we're not out. They're probably not in the conversation, but they're not out of it. Macarthur, the fact that this is such a tight league and they're spending time at the top. I know they only just got there, but I don't think we can sit there and look at them and go, oh, they're not. They're not good enough to win the league. They're seven games in, they haven't lost yet. Uh, only Melbourne Victory have done that as well. They, I think, deserve to be in the conversation of, you know what, maybe. That's that's as far as I'll go. I'm not going to say their definites. Maybe yeah. in five weeks' time, we'll sit there and go, you know what, I was wrong. Or maybe in five weeks' time, we'll sit there and go, hey, I'm onto something here. But right now, you're talking about trying to give them praise. 100%, I think they deserve a lot of praise for what they've done because... Look, it's not, maybe not the most prettiest football at time, but for a club that was, and by me personally as well, I wrote them off. I thought they'd be coming at probably around second last, particularly with Asian Champions League, or not Champions League, AFC Cup commitments and going to some very, very weird places. People were so or saying it was about, he, he wasn't up to scratch to coach in the A-League. The reality is they've overcome all these pre-season concerns. They're, Playing football, that's able to get them results. Going forward, they actually look quite exciting. I think they've finally got a system where they've been able to unleash the creativity of these players that they've got in their side. Danny De Silva, Ulises Davila, Jake Holman's really been able to come into it as well. You've got Jed, Drew, Rafael, Borges. You've got, going forward, a very scintillating side. What you said about their back line, I think it's probably limited to their centre-backs. I think Isaac Hovar coming in, I think he can be a decent player left-back. Probably still a little bit of efficiency there. But with Keilly Adams coming in, they've also got three right backs. So if one of them's a little bit versatile, yeah. But Matt
0: Miller's is playing advanced now. He won't. He won't. Matt, be yeah, right but back. he can
1: still yep. drop in that area. And there's other players that can replace
0: Matt Miller in the forward line. Yeah, but Let's I was going to ask real. this as well. I think the Adamson signing is one where he might be competing with Nicolau for right back, and, and that's think-
1: good. And that's good competition. You're yeah, talking about yeah. two players that are probably at a similar level, but are both capable of doing a really good job in the A League. But you've got a side there that. Now that they're all kind of and I know it's early in the season, I don't know it's kind of a form based opinion, but they're all playing at a level that is very, very good, and they're all capable of playing at that level at least semi consistently, so why can't we say that MacArthur's at least in the conversation for a title or in the conversation for a top four they're 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 a good side, they're playing like a very good side. They're not going to experience that far of a drop off where they're going to drop out of the six. I'd be very surprised. They're five if that's points the case. off seventh,
0: though. This is what I'm trying to say to you. But they're not. They're not. Look how tight the league is, Christian. That's no I'm, one's I'm, going I mean, to that's definitively. my point. They could lose their next yeah. two games, and my point is that they are only five points off seventh right now. So what I'm what I'm trying to say to you is there is no world right now where you can say. I'm agreeing with you in the sense that you can say that MacArthur could be a top-four team. Yes, for sure. I don't agree that we can say that any of these teams right now are necessarily championship contenders. I really don't think it's way too early because of the nature of the results and the league that we're seeing at the moment. I mean, we just saw a couple of results on the weekend. like We saw even MacArthur's win, was, but... Mainly, uh, the results like Newcastle beating Wellington just proved the unpredictability. We spoke about it on the podcast recently that it's just too early to talk about any championship contender. You're, you're looking me. at it
1: that it's too early to say anyone's a championship contender. I'm saying we're in a position where we have multiple championship contenders. I think that's no, where I disagree
0: we're... because you can't, you can't say that anyone is consistent enough that they're going to be a championship contender. Well, someone's got to win the league. Yeah. So it, well, it, it's whether you're saying this, are you <laughs> saying that. Basically, the league is going to be a pile living consistency, And that's why there's going to be a few contenders or two, one or two are going to break out of the pack as Antonis has been. I don't,
1: involved. that's the thing. I, I don't think there's, I think we're looking, I reckon we'll hit round 13, 14 and we could still have this kind of five horse race for the league title. What those teams are, I don't know, but I genuinely think that there's, look, that's
0: possible. That is possible.
1: A, there's a fair few teams that can look at themselves realistically at their start of the season and go, you know what? We're onto something here. Let's try and push on and see what we're going to do. Not all those teams have got, by round 14, half those teams will be, okay, yeah, let's just focus on trying to make finals. But at this moment in time, I'm not counting anyone in the top five, six, or even seven out of, okay, they're going to go on this run and win the league. I think there's teams with, there's something special about all those teams that can say there's potential there for them to do something and to go that far. Obviously, it's early doors to say they're going to. That's why I'm just saying they're in the conversation, not saying they're in the title race and not saying anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you don't push yourself into first place for no reason. And that goes for anyone in the competition that's been in first already. Maybe yeah. besides in the first couple of rounds because that's just round one and two It's just who gets the biggest win in round one. I, but- I, th-
3: I think this conversation is really interesting, um, mainly because I think that, in my opinion, they're okay. And I will explain this and I'll be very quick with it. I don't think there's such a thing as a title contender in the A-League, A League, a salary capped football league. Okay. I think there's such a thing as a finals contender, right? And I think that the, the points you guys receive It's, are trying it's
0: to not make... really much of a take if you're saying that McCart's a finals contender. I mean, okay. Like, yeah,
3: I, I, I'm not Perth saying. Perth could it still didn't...
0: be a finals contender. Like, you know, it's not hard to make, like, not... you know, we saw last season how many teams were yeah. poor for most of the season. And then suddenly, yeah.
3: That, that, it's a, Exactly my point. I think yeah. the only time yeah. the A-League has title contenders is when Melbourne City, you know, reached the top of the cap and they just, like, have the, you know, out-and-out best squad like they had when they went three in a row with the premiership. That's the only... All the
0: Graham Arnold Sydney FC teams. Yep.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's the only time in that I think... Not just the A League's history, there's been anything close to a genuine title contender. I think there's finals contenders. War-
0: Barcelona. I think I think Cody's 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 like uh, but puzzled. The,
3: it, it, I'm just really
1: confused by what you're, try- like you're, I, what you're trying like You're talking to ex- about a runaway team. You're not talking about a contender, then you're talking about a clear
4: favourite
3: What I'm what I'm saying is that we have a salary caps league that has finals. And it's really interesting I think the definitions of title contenders are different. That's what I'm trying to point out. Like the I definition guess. of the title, a, a title contender in the context of the A League, is a squad that can withstand a final series and can't come out on top. See, I'm talking Who about can... the minor
1: premiership, bro. I'm not talking about the finals. Yeah, so we're exactly... just talking about minor premiership, though. Yeah. Yeah.
3: But I think that the I think you like you can't really say title contender in the A League. I think that the definition is just like grayed out, and that's why I think you, you guys having right. this massive argument. Okay, so
0: if I use the term premiership contender, does that is that you know okay with you? I
3: mean. Uh, sure, but I just think it's interesting. That's all. I'm just pointing it out. Jesus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, the original
1: point of this was to have an actual conversation about Macarthur and what they've done. Well, I've, I'm sure I've said enough about what I think what they've done this season and where their strengths are while I went on that rant as to why they should be in and amongst the teams fighting for the title. But going forward, they are very, very good. They've got a style of play that really suits them and suits the kind of players that they've got as well. It's something that you know, maybe even West United could kind of take a blueprint of in terms of utilising creative players in a more counter-attacking system, which they're not doing very well. But McArthur are. Stajowski's doing something pretty well over there. Talk about their off-field issues. All they want. The reality is they're getting a lot on the pitch right, right now. And you know what? It's great. These are the sort of things where you can really burn something special out of a club. Obviously, West United weren't able to do it when they won the league, but... We'll see how Macarthur are able to build on here because there's obviously factors behind the scenes that may affect him trying to move forward, just in a general sense, not just his season, but on the pitch right now. Let's be honest, they look good. I don't think anyone can deny that, at least. I don't think
0: I was. I wasn't saying that. Not at all. I think. I think. I just, just want to hope you're not going to argue with me, Christian. I just want um, us to be friends. I know. I know. I want us to be friends too, which we are. So I don't, I'm not sure where, where that comment came from. Um, but I was like being a smart ass, man. <laughs> I know clearly. Um, uh, no. The thing is, I think I actually agree with all you just said there. Um, and what we need to be careful of, though, with these teams is, and I can use Adelaide United as a classic example I'm about to talk about in a moment when we review their game, is after two rounds, everyone looked at Adelaide and just went, oh, my God, like, holy shit. Look at all their young players. Like, this team is unbelievable. They're going to steamroll everyone. And now we're after round seven, and you've seen the flip side of those young players. So you talk about Jed you talk about Raphael, Great players, promising young players, but they will have their bad periods. So that's the thing, right? It's it's gonna happen. There's gonna be ups, there's gonna be downs. So that's okay. And MacArthur right now are getting a lot out of all their players and they're doing a great job. Um and you know, tactically, like I don't think anyone would have foreseen this style coming, that they're gonna embrace this kind of counterattacking style, but they're doing it and it's working really well. Um and yeah, uh also interesting. Little tweak as well was Jack Holman was kind of playing as a left winger against Sydney, uh, something a little bit different. And he kind of scored the goal from, from that area as well, uh, coming inside. Um, but yeah, uh, if, if, if we really want to keep having this discussion and if McCarthy can win the championship or something like that, which is way too early again, like I said, to, to really have that, uh, it's a discussion conversation. With- it's not a, it's not a prediction. No, 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 but anyway, this is different. I'm talking about the championship. Now. We'll, re- we'll revisit it in round, round eighteen, nineteen, whatever the whatever the fuck. Um, but <laughs> point is, you you'd have to think. I still feel like it's a Davia German like go on a tear, like lift this team really beyond the expectations that it could hit. Uh, for it to really, you know, go on some fairy tale run. Um, in the season, but look, right now they're doing very well. Uh, and they deserve their plaudits. Jake, Jack, anything to add on Macarthur?
2: Yeah, I I just sort of want to budge because I feel like I don't know like 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 I
0: don't want to start another big
2: debate with you, Christian, but like I, I feel like the notion you're sort of saying was like they don't have great depth. I actually totally disagree. I think they've actually built some really really good depth, uh, especially because of the AFC Cup. Okay. We keep talking about Jed, Drew, and Raphael. They didn't even start this game. They came off the bench. You had Miller and Holman. Yeah, play on those wings. I feel like especially in defensive mid on the wings in attack. Defense, maybe they're a little bit sort of nimble there, but I think they've built some really, really good depth. They have a lot of players that can sort of come in and play when they need. So, look, like, I'm probably not on that sort of Cody Hyde train there, they're title contenders maybe, but look, I I think, I don't think... Okay,
0: Jamal gets injured. Who plays up front?
2: Okay, yes, fair to I I, I
0: Devere gets injured. Devere gets injured. And Jay Coleman gets oh. injured. Both of them go down the same Christian, time. you can say that Daniel about anyone in the league, but oh, you can't d- discount I can't. Hang anyone. Hang on, hang on. Whoa, hang on. hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Because if we're using your title contender thing that you said before. And okay, I'm let's say. Melbourne's- hang on. Whoa, 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 I'm talking. And we're looking well, at Melbourne switch. City. Like, okay, Melbourne City, I mentioned before, don't have midfield depth. But I can tell you now, like, okay, if Matthew Leky went down again, at least they've got someone like a Leo could come in.
2: Well, what about Jamie McLaren?
0: Yeah, if Jamie Khan gets injured, who, who covers? Matthew like will play up front and tail would go nah, on the left. Nah. You can say the same about this team. I reckon if you yeah, put Rafael yeah. up front you'd do a job, you still got Lucky
4: Rose nah, in the league. No, He's come serviceable.
1: On. Come
0: on, you're, but, but you're like now you're now you're going too far where you're overestimating the young players. I'm talent not, I'm not overestimating anything. Uh, these guys are good players. I'm not saying they're the not good players, but the reality Christian, is the young players so any, they're not going to deliver Christian,
1: week in, week out. Christian, anyone in this competition, if a key player gets injured, there's going to be a young kid trying to fill in. You talk about, oh, yeah, maybe Matthew Leckie What about Melbourne victory, victory? What about Melvin Victory? If Melvin Victory, if Bruno are goes down, Melbourne who comes up? you It's the same thing. It's a lot of young players. You're talking about yeah. players like Valupa players kind of come in. Not a lot of young players. players.
0: You're Chris Economides and Ben Falami coming off the bench. Yeah, are we Fuck really going to put Chris, Chris Economides in that
1: conversation? What? Are we really going to put Chris Economides in that conversation? I'd rather
0: someone like Raphael, in all honesty. Maybe right now, yeah, okay, but I'm saying at least you've got an experienced guy who's actually been. Just because they're experienced doesn't mean they're better, but I didn't say they were better. This is a conversation we had with Angel Torres. I didn't say they were better. I'm saying that at least you know that that guy's been able to du- produce in big moments before. And the reality is, there's been let's look, let's go back ten years. Let's go when I can't remember who the
1: keeper for Mariners was in 2010, 2011. That went down injured. Oh no, who's going to come in? Oh, there's only that Matty Ryan on the bench. Now that turn out.
4: You're
0: talking hang on a minute. So you know you're pointing to like some some what I'm outlier saying, situation. What, I, what I'm saying try- is
1: there's players in this country that there's a lot of times we dismiss players in this country because they're young and we don't know. It's unpredictable. You could have a young player come in, they could be a stinker, but we could have a young player come in, they could be, lady, one of the best soccerers that we've ever had. I'm not gonna say Maddie Ryan is, but the point is Maddie Ryan's also been our captain and went to three World Cups as starting goalkeeper. And who knows if he would have actually got that opportunity if someone got injured in front of him. Someone gets every team in this league, if someone gets injured, there's a young player that's got to step up and kind of find a way to fill that gap. It is not a you're you're using that as an example to shut down MacArthur, being able to progress. Any team is gonna have that issue. It is not an issue solely based around one club. Look at Adelaide. Look at Yovan Okay. Hiroshi Iwazuki goes down, you've got um Iovanovich. If and Kunda goes down, who you Who's going to come in for him?
0: An athlete's a completely different example. What you can't. You but can't there's,
1: use- that's the thing. It's not that far different, is it? Because if um, I know it's picked up an injury. I believe. No, you know, and the, no, 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 no it is different. You've got to come in.
0: No, 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 no. Let me talk because it is different. Because the reason why is you're not going to get the same profile of striker if Man goes down injured. No one can play the role like he does for Macarthur. This is what you're missing. Victory have that issue as
1: well. But the reality is, we, we probably talk about victory as being one of the better teams in the competition, especially after
0: tonight. No, to no, but at least they could get they could kind of replace the quality with some of its parts. Can at they? least they could bring in. Can ben they Follet. replace the
1: quality of someone like Bruno Fonaroli with the way he's playing right now?
0: They couldn't replace his goals, but at least they could get a few attacking threats to replace him. In someone can someone like ben not Follet. do that? No, I think they can. They can. Yeah. With who? Players like Raphael. Players like
1: Jed Drew. You've got Matt Miller that can come in as well. Ali Ugla sitting on the bench too. I, 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 he's someone that I do rate very, very highly. When has is, when is Ali Ogla gone on a tear in the alley and scored six goals in seven games? Give him an opportunity. Trust me, I can see him doing something good. Maybe not scoring six goals in seven games, but I can tell you now he'd be able to create a lot for a side and he'd be able to let someone move up front that could actually provide that creative role that maybe you'd lose if um, Main was not playing up front. But I'm telling you now, there's... Play there's quality players that are in the wings at Macarthur that could. I'm not saying that they're going to replace the quality of Main, but, but that's just what I'm like, saying. Yeah, but you're you're pointing an issue to you're describing the issue as if it's a solely Macarthur issue when it's an issue not, with just not, any club I'm not in this descri-
0: league. I'm not describing it as a solely Macarthur issue. What I'm so saying. So why are you using it to say that they can't go any further than where they are? I'm not. I am because hang on hang on. Hang on. repeat what you said because it's like it's hey, it's like eleven thirty one. You're describing it's
1: midnight where I am, mate. You're describing an issue. Yes. You're describing an issue and saying how it's affecting Macarthur when it would affect eleven clubs out of twelve in this league. Melbourne City is the only anomaly in this situation.
0: No, I'd put Melbourne Victory as the anomaly too. No. Yes. If Bruno goes down, they would be in the same predicament. I think. I think. With Faunoroli, yes, maybe, but that's one player. I think with the other, you're players... you're using that the have... same thing as MacArthur, though. You're saying Valerian Man goes down, no, because if the via goes down, it's the same thing. What about if Mashash goes down? Jake Brimmer comes in. What? Jake Brimmer's tr- right now starting alongside him as well.
1: And plus, you want to use that example? You fine, got the Villa. Fine. You no, got fine. the Silver well, there no, as well.
4: It's
0: no, no, fine. Well, then fine. I would just put Jake Brimmer in the Mashash role, and I'd I'm play not, Fabian. Look, I'm oh, not trying, like, I'm I don't not understand. Gonna,
1: what? I'm not going to argue and try and say you're wrong what I'm going to say is that I don't, you're using examples that aren't solely based around MacArthur. If you come to me and say an issue that with this MacArthur, where the issue that you could probably tell me if one of their center backs goes down, because they're already very light on quality center backs. If that happens, yes, 100% there is going to be an issue there. Their their depth issue is
0: not up front though. And their issues with players drop out is not up front. Listen, listen, what you don't understand is this. You're saying, you're saying that if, Matt Miller goes down, Rafael Borges Rodriguez would come in and would be able to provide the same output week in, week out. Is that what you're saying? I don't think that's an outlandish statement.
1: See, I, I, that's, and Matt Miller's probably not your best example. Stick to Jermaine, stick we, to Villa. Matt Miller, as much as he's being good form, is replaceable.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. But again, like you can't, you're overestimating depth when it comes to some of these young players. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I think a what, lot of people I, are doing it with a lot of teams in the league. You know what? I'm happy to back those young players because, yeah, sure, we
1: only get to see glimpses of them. And in those glimpses, we can see they're at their them at their best. Can they keep it on a consistent level? That's something that remains to be seen. But you only see that if you actually give them the opportunity. I'd love to see them get that opportunity. If someone gets injured, for me, it's an opportunity. Someone else gets comes in. You never know what they're going to do. Could, you never know. Maybe they go and They have a stinger. Maybe they come in. They're a brilliant player. You don't know unless it happens, and how teams deal with that is how you decide who's the best teams in the competition. What I'm saying is, you're saying if ha-
0: if this happens to MacArthur,
1: they're going to fall apart. Maybe they won't. You only know that when it comes around.
0: I guess what I'm saying is I'm less hopeful for a team like them as opposed to a team like Melbourne Victory, for and example. And look, and, I'm and that also comes from gonna, the fact hang hang that, that they're still are, talking. Hang on, still talking. If okay. you're going to act like... Macarthur is a title contender, like you mentioned. Well, I have to now hold them to that standard, so that's where I'm coming from. And I'll tell you what, I reckon if you ask anyone at Macarthur, they want to be held to that standard. Okay. Well, I will. We'll see. We'll see how it is. I'm telling you right now because I see it with Adelaide United right now, and I'm at the games. Is that you're not going to get? You even see it with someone like Nesta Irincunda. You saw today against Brisbane, wasn't at it. Didn't get in the game at all. These. Kids cannot produce week in, week out. It just doesn't happen unless they are a one a million gone generation talent. It just won't happen. So yes, I agree with what you're saying. Most teams won't be able to replace their star quality players. Yes, true. But what I'm trying to say is not so much that. I think I'm looking more to say that I'm not they've got too many untested players, is basically what I'm getting at. So they're gonna be raw. And you don't really know what you're gonna get from them, so I can't really judge their depth. So maybe maybe I shouldn't really say they don't have depth. Maybe I should say I don't really know what they have because it's really unproven and untested, I guess. So maybe I could reevaluate my take from from that perspective. Um I think it look, it's the conversation. I do think we basically it? what I'm getting at is I do think we just need to calm down from seven games. Is, is really one Revi- of
1: Revisit this conversation by round 14. I, I would bet money that MacArthur's at least in the top four and
0: not that many points
1: off first place.
0: Okay. All right. We'll come Anyway, back you to mentioned to Adelaide. The, I feel if, like if we need to have that happens. conversation too. If they're not in the top four, come round 14. I'm going to kick your teeth in. What? Who said that? Do it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I All right. like how just before that point I said, I don't want to start a big argument here. And then bang.
0: Yeah, thanks Jack. Thanks, mate. Uh
3: Remember the mood joke that I made that was horrible? That was a while ago, wasn't it?
0: Jack. Throughout the whole time Jack was like he's like passed out because he's like so tired. Alright, we got we got two more games to get through and we're gonna try and get through them quickly. Try being the uh being the operative word. Um Adelaide and Brisbane I already touched on some of the points there. Just uh so Brisbane won 2 0, just more on Adelaide. Um and this is where I'm kind of going to bring more my argument. I was just talking about that just a completely erratic team. Uh, and this is what you get when you invest so much in young players, which is absolutely no problem. But if you don't have senior players who are going to perform week in, week out alongside it, then you're going to get a team which just has this ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. And also during games. I mean, Adelaide today were really good in the first 20, 25 minutes. Probably could have been in front. And then you're thinking, okay, both teams going half time nil all. All right. After half time, Adelaide can still definitely win this game, whatever. And then they just come out after the first 15 minutes and give the game away. And like that's a reality for them at the moment. And it's not the first time. We just saw it in their last game against MacArthur before this, where they're 3 2 up with 10 minutes to go and somehow lose 4 3. So, you know. Erratic, just an erratic team at the moment. Um, Brisbane on the flip side, another gutsy away win. Um, I think they showed, you know, their ability to see out a result and kind of get the job done, really, which, which they showed against the Mariners recently as well. Away 10 men, they went down to 10 men and they, and they got the result 2 1. So they're showing that side of them as well. Um, from an Adelaide perspective though, one of the big issues. That I'd point out is that, I mean, Brisbane targeted Adelaide's left side. Uh, Nikolai Miliznich roasted Ryan Kiddo in this game um, to the point where I wonder whether Ryan Kiddo came off with charcoal um, on his skin uh, from being burnt so much. Um, And like, Adelaide have a serious issue in that area. And the issue is a little bit more serious because they've named Ryan Kiddo as their captain. And, you know, fair enough. He seems like a leadership material. And a leader, but defensively, I mean, he's a shambles. Like, there's, there's really no other way of putting it. Like, he, he just can't defend. Um, and we saw it against Sydney. Joe Lolly killed him, and now Nicola near too is a good player on his day. We know that. We know he can. His pace can cause any fullback problems. But yeah, it was a real worry today. And Adelaide, they had uh, Alex Popovich pulled up on Friday, training session with an injury, and Nick Ansell was rested. Those were, that's what we, uh, what we found out after the game. And so they had to change their, their back too, but really nothing changed defensively. They're still going to leak chances. They're still going to rely on Gauchi to save them. And I just think that's the reality of them as a team. What, uh, what are you guys seeing?
1: Look, there's clear deficiencies that are holding back Adelaide from being in that kind of upper echelon on teams. And not to revisit the conversation, I wouldn't say. MacArthur were technically in that upper rec line. I just think there's a conversation, but I'm not please, getting back please on that. Please, do again. not. I'm not getting back on that. But um, no, look, the reality is Adelaide, we've seen Adelaide at their best and at their worst this season, which is why I think we've got a pretty good gauge of where they're actually genuinely at as a football club. And look, it's inconsistent, but I think in those times, you do kind of forget what they can do when they're at their best as well. I don't know if I'm ringing alarm bells and I'm saying, okay, we need to do this, this, that, and this, and bring someone in to cover a certain area or anything like that. There's still a good side, at least on paper. There, maybe it's probably an issue. I'd say the issue probably does lie. I think you did mention it a little bit as well. It does lie a little bit more with the senior players probably not stepping up and playing as well as what they should. I know, but even
0: they're being erratic. So this is the term that's, that's, I just
1: that's a con- that's a concerning part because if you're that's right. Let's just say you take N S A S for example. Obviously, yep. legend of the club. Never gonna disrespect him. Someone who I personally do enjoy watching all the time. Maybe not so much this year. I'll say that much. He's well, that's the had... thing,
0: though, is that first two games of the season, Isaias looked like, oh, my God, Prime Isaias is back. What the hell? And then last two games, Isaias dragged at half time against MacArthur and then was, if I'm not mistaken, I'm maybe forgetting, or because it's late, was also taken off. He okay, just... came off 77th minute today. Okay, so he came off later, but he had no influence on the game. Uh Let me just put it that way. <laughs> um, so it looks probably not the best
1: we've seen of him probably being one of the say weaker links in the side this season and you talk about the erraticness of inexperienced players, you look at Adelaide's midfield today, it's quite I won't say experienced, but you've got SAS and Clough who are probably two of the more senior players and Luke Giselle who out of their midfielders out of their young midfielders is probably one of the ones at least on the older side of things. So it's hard to say that deficiency is actually those young players, especially when those senior players aren't always stepping up as well as they
2: can as well.
0: Yeah. So, Isaiah's, you know, was really good the first two games of the season. And these last two has faded and look like the Isaias of last season, who was really ineffective. Ben Halloran, same sort of thing. Looked great at the start. Back to sort of mediocre Ben Halloran that we saw last season. Then you look at, you know, I just mentioned Kiddo before is not performing, but you mentioned, um, Cloth and, you know, he's, he's been excellent to the start of the season. He's been fantastic, uh, for, for Adelaide. What was interesting today is I felt though there was a deficiency where he is, he's not the type of attacking midfielder who's going to drop deeper to make sure he gets involved in a game. You know, he's really going to kind of stay in that more advanced role and look to always receive between the lines, which is fine. You know, that's his role, whatever. But maybe in a, in a game like that where you are kind of not, you know, Adelaide, Today, maybe it felt like not in the second half, but in the first half they created more, but it's not like they were the quality of chances weren't maybe at the same level as a Brisbane. Um and then that changed in the second half when Brisbane just completely took control of the game after half time. So maybe you need Kloff to drop a bit deeper, get more involved so he can have some influence in the game. But, you know, there's just there's literally a couple of players. is probably the steadiest thing for Adelaide United right now. You know, you know what you're going to get every week. You know he's going to, and if they didn't have a keeper of his quality, like I, I I'd seriously be worried for them because he's just bailing them out week after week and making sure either losses aren't getting too far out of hand or they're holding on to wins or you know securing draws. Because I mean, Ross Aloisi said afterwards that they Brisbane could have four goals, and he's right. Like definitely, easily could have four goals. I mean, they had two like massive one on ones in the second half after it was two nil. Nikola Musnich standard is one-on-one and he and he can't finish. Um, so, you know, they could have easily just ran away with that. On the raw side of things, um, Jez Lofthouse, possibly his best game in a raw shirt. I thought he was a little bit timid in the first half, but then he really grew into it. Obviously got his goal too. Um, and yeah, like they obviously had this little injury crisis in the first half, um, which, you know, I think... It was to some players that they were, were easily replaceable. Um, and they were able to deal with real tough luck for, for Anthony Burke Gilroy, though. That's two weeks in a row. He's had to come off early in a game. Um, and I think Ross said afterwards it was, it was a hamstring problem. So looks like it's kind of an ongoing thing with him. Um, and they kind of, their setup was a little bit different today where they didn't have, because Henry Hall is now out with an injury and, and Florian Berenguer, of course, as we know, has been out. So they didn't really have a traditional number 10. So I know O'Shea can kind of play more advanced, but they kind of played it more as a interchangeable midfield three with, with Coletti and, and, uh, Gamolka and, um, and O'Shea, uh, who for me just continues to be criminally underrated. I mean, he, he ran that second half. Uh, you know, he's, he's just a fantastic player. So yeah, uh, all in all, pretty successful outing for Brisbane. What, uh, what did you guys like from Brisbane today?
2: Yeah, I just sort of want to talk on J.R. Shea. He's someone I've been very big on for a while. And I think because of he's sort of been in that struggling Brisbane war side and they've struggled for the past couple of seasons, he's maybe gone under the radar a little bit. But I think he really has to be in the conversation better to come in the league. Honestly, I think he's that good. I'd have him there for the likes of Arslan, Lolly, et cetera. You could put everyone there. But I really think he should be in that conversation. He's been the linchpin. You know, he's been creating very well. he been scoring consistently as well. He's been clinical from the spot won the penalty for it. too. it was just a very good all-around performance from him. And just in general, I think just the Raw, I don't know, like they're, they're looking really, really good. I think they're showing sort of what they did show in that Australia Cup. I think the Australia Cup sometimes can be, you know, sort of Sydney FC. You know, it can be very deceiving. But I think Brisbane Raw has been the one team where we saw they were building in the Australia Cup and I think they've maintained that pretty well. You know, where are they now? I think they're third, second, sorry, second in the league at the moment, which is very impressive. And again, I think this is a team that could, yeah, very easily be yeah contending yeah you know, for a final
3: spot.
4: Jack, what do you think?
3: Um, yeah, I have to agree with Jake. I think O'Shea is our a star of our league, but often does not get treated like a star. Um and I think that thankfully Brisbane have got a team now that they can really bring the best well the best out of O'Shea we've seen already, but um, you know, it gets a little bit more airtime and it gets a little bit more notice. So I'm thankful that O'Shea is finally uh getting that recognition. Um, I've also was impressed by gambilka Um, I'm mm. pretty sure you guys touched on it, but um, for me, he was you know did his job up and down. He wasn't necessarily a superstar, but I think that um he's a very decent midfielder at an A league level. And you know where you sort of in between teams, you know, he was at Melbourne City and was pretty, uh, you know, to the fringes of that squad. And now he's come to Brisbane Raw. He sort of started like almost on the outer and then worked his way in. And now he's got a starting 11 place on lock. So I just wanted to say, you know, credit to his hard work. And I think that um, the midfield of the Brisbane Raw is the reason that they've been so successful. Uh, this season, not to, um, play down their attacking success or defensive success, but I think that, you know, if that midfield can stay fit and, 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 you know, keep producing the way they are, uh, I think that, um, Brisbane Raw, again, uh, you know, one of those teams that come finals time can be very hard to beat if they're still there.
0: I think, uh, and, you know, hopefully I'm allowed to say this without getting bullied, uh, I think they've got some decent depth, uh, as well, <laughs> Brisbane. So, um, yeah, like, you know, you even look today, like, Kalami Antel was coming off the bench. We know the quality that he's got. And even, you know, they, like I mentioned with that, those two injuries they got, like, they still had Kai Truen and Luis Zabala, who are young players, you know, to Cody's point before, but, you know, they're players that we've seen. Zabala was starting, you know, games at the start of the season and then Truen, we know, has, has been playing in the league for, for a bit now um, too, so... Yeah, um and yeah, I mean Macklin Freak looked comfortable again. I really by the way, I don't know if I mentioned it, but I really like Rylan Brownley uh as as a as a young player off the bench. He's really impressed me in the little cameos that he's had so far. So yeah, I'm just keeping an eye on him for sure. He um, um yeah. I remember after the
1: what was it, the Brisbane Royal City United Australia Cup game, I spoke to Ross Aloisi mainly about Waddingham and Quinn McNeil. And he said they've got a Asked if there was any other players that we'd keep an eye out on. He name-dropped Ryan Brownlee in that conversation. Basically mm. said the only reason why he wasn't playing in the Australia Cup was because he was cup-tight. So we may have gotten a bit more of an introduction to him in that part of the season, alongside Waddingham and Quinn McNichol, if it wasn't for that small little fact. But, um, yeah, no. Someone that the club's definitely been harping on about. Someone that I think we're going to be seeing a lot of moving forward as well. Could have had a goal last week if... um. He was a little bit more fortunate to be fair too,
0: yeah yeah true um and then from an adelaide point of view Mr. Torre, of course going off um yeah hopefully nothing too serious uh with that of course he was linked with the uh, Hibernian this week as well in Scotland Monty may be doing some uh some scouting um in the in the a league as well all right, let's move on we got one more game this podcast has been very long, and it is currently ten minutes until midnight where I am and it is. Uh, 20 minutes after midnight, where, where my three eastern Seaboarders are. Um, okay. Wanderers victory. Victory winning this one 4-3. Uh, some late drama. First question we have to ask. Let's get it out of the way straight away. Jack, you look tired, but come on, mate. We are, we are almost there. Um, Bruno Fornaroli. Or Bruno Fornaroli, uh, as, uh, as he's being dubbed at the moment. Two four-goal holes. Um, an unbelievable goal against Mariners last week. Is it without question now? Bruno has to be on the plane to Qatar.
3: Um, yes and no, but Ooh. if okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Uh, I think that there's not a whole lot of death at striker, and Bruno Fernandes being selected for an Asian Cup, even at his you know age, and a- even given his sort of entry into you know being an Australian national team player you know, very much Australian these days, and, you know, credit to him, Um, you cannot take Jamie McLaren or Adam Taggart if you do not take Bruno Fornaroli. So if if Graham Arnold in his squad selection, you know, leaves Bruno back Mm -hmm. in Australia but takes um, Jamie McLaren or Adam Taggart, Oh, I'd be shocked
0: field. if Adam Taggart was suddenly back on the spot. of
3: i 100%. I'd, I'd, be extremely, I'd be extremely shocked as well. But I think you cannot take any other A-league striker if you do not take Bruno Fornaroli. Mm-hmm. There should mm-hmm. be... It's the Bruno rule. If Graham Arnold picks any other A-league striker but Bruno Fornaroli above him and leaves him at home, then I would be asking some questions about that. Um
0: Jake, Jake think- looks really puzzled.
2: I'm 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 more thinking as in you take three, you take Duke, Fornaroli, and McLaren. That's yeah. that's sort of my thinking. There, that, that, what
3: that, that, he about he Duke, like
0: Yangi, three. and Fornaroli?
3: That's that's what I mean. Like if you if you leave if you leave Forneroli at home and take McLaren, Yangi, and Duke, I'm pissed. Like honestly, mm-hmm, I'm pissed mm-hmm. off. I'm pissed off. What? Like I know Jamie McLaren, you know, scores goals in A League level for fun, and he, he's getting back to his goal scoring wa- ways now, right? But the dying... Like the the amount of like dynamic movement and and the type of goals that Bruno Fornaroli can get you versus a Jamie is McLaren, it? yeah,
4: yeah,
3: um, is yeah. I I think just it, it it is would be frustrating. I I reckon that if you're if I'm picking like strikers to take to the like Asian Cup right now, like for me, I'm picking Duke McLaren and Fornaroli, right? And then the only players that are like sort of pushing that. I think you could maybe take Yankee instead of McLaren and that's it. That that that's See, that's that's me.
0: I'm gonna slightly disagree. I wouldn't take Jamie McLaren. Um now I would take Fourneroli, Yankee and Duke. Duke being the starter, um which is I think un undoubted at this point. Now, here's the thing, is that there's a couple of things here. First of all, I think we make too much out of this stuff because the reality is Fornaroli could be on the plane of guitar and he doesn't play a minute because he's just the third string striker. So, and I know you know every selection is important because what if there's injuries? I get it, but like you know, it's maybe not. It's not like is he going to be on the plane of guitar and starting? Like we all know, Miss Duke's going to start, right? Okay, so if he's still fit, of course. The other thing is, I think people need to realize like Warnerolli is really suitable for the way the soccer is trying to play as well. Like, he can provide the hold up play. He's a decent presser and all that stuff. Now, even though Jamie McLaren's a decent presser, he, as we've seen, he's not really as suited. He can't play that misjuke role. Like, you can't play him as a lone striker if the Socceroos are, you know, um, you know, trying to maybe play in transition a bit. But the counter argument to that would be that in the Asian Cup, the Socceroos are going to play against teams who are going to play a low block against them and they're going to need maybe someone like a fox in the box like Jamie McLaren, right? So, I can also see that. So, I'm maybe not totally married to the idea, but right now, I'd say, you know, I just, Fauna Raleigh for me has to go. Like, I mean, come on, this is ridiculous at this point. Like, you can't, can't kind of what Jack's getting at. Like, you can't not reward this. Like, what message does that send, I guess, as well? Um, but Um Duke starts, Fornaroli goes, and then I guess it's kind of maybe maybe you could make the argument and say, yeah, McLaren should go because just for a different type of striker, or do you want three strikers who all play a similar way so it's just easy to interchange if there's any changes that you want to make? I mean, that's just the decision that Arnie's going to make at the end of the day. So yeah, it's going to be interesting, but Jake, uh, Cody, Fornaroli definitely on the plane? 100%. Yeah. Uh, watching
1: him in person today, mm. there's more than just a goal scoring ability. I think you're talking about someone who can be a genuine leader in a side. I think, look, I'll bring, I'll just mention it briefly. I'll take Duke. I'll take McLaren. They're two. They are two main soccer strikers for the last four or five years. You need a little bit of stability going into major tournaments. That's probably the main reason why I take those two. Then you're tossing up between Yankee and Fauna The reality is one, Fauna is in better form to i think if you're talking about a a player who in tournament mode you need to ease into uh already semi-established side he's probably the one i look at simply because what he can bring outside of just his genuine football ability he's a leader he's determined he's got that kind of south american aggression in him as well where if we're two or three nil down he's going to come in he's going to run his ass off to be able to get us back in i think One thing that's underestimated. Listen, if it's game
0: one and those Indian defenders are like talking shit or something, like we need Fauna on there to just kind of like, you know, yeah. He's someone that can kind of
1: buy back against that sort of stuff. But you're talking, and this is where the youth experience kind of comes in as well.
0: He's a little bit more experienced
1: in those kind of situations and just more experienced overall. But he's someone who can bring another sense of leadership to this team, which I think is never a bad thing. And then you you combine that with the fact that he's just in really, really incredible form. It's how, how do you how do you not take him? Honestly, like it's crazy. But watching him today, the guy he is genuinely nuts. Like it's almost laughable how good he is. Like it's it's crazy. And we've seen his quality at times in the air league in the past. The reality is, play. There's been. Think about what he went through with Warren Joyce. Think about what he went through with Ruben Zadkovich. Imagine if those coaches were able to see his quality and one of them were able to hold on to him. How Different trajectory may have been for those clubs, and maybe we underestimate him because he's gone through those periods where coaches have written him off. But the reality is, he's coming back in a really big way. So you know what? We'll get him on the plane. You're talking about a guy in the form of his life that can bring a lot more than just a good being a good footballer to this team. You no, know, all things considered, I'm taking it. I'm taking neither Jenga or Fornaroli. I'm leaning towards Fornaroli. I don't think
0: I don't know how you can turn him down at this point. Okay, so and then the game itself. um yeah, I mean, Fornaroli is incredible. The Wanderers make this weird late fight back. And speaking of strikers, Mark Zantonson looks like he's starting to cook, I guess, um, and, uh, and find his feet, uh, in the A League. So I guess that's the positive that the Wanderers can take out of it. Look, Wanderers
1: definitely didn't do themselves just to start in the game. Mark Rudin, Marco Rudin even said at the start of the, at the press conference after the game, sorry, it's getting late at night. I'm losing my train of thought. But, um, they even said it then. There was a long gap between the game, that game, and the Brisbane one. Maybe they could have done things differently in between that time. He said he gave the players a bit of time off, actually, away from training. So how much of that plays into it, I don't really know. But the Wanderers they showed by the end of the game that they are a good side. They came out in the second half. They played really well. I think one thing that deserves mention as well. You mentioned Artonson, Valentino, You'll come in. Yeah, I was, the game I was going to mention him. Really yep. provided a good spark. Even Marcus Yunus. Um, wonders I think we're forgetting how a goal disallowed and. and the meter offside, maybe it was a correct call, but shows the promise they have in these guys off the bench. Talk about young players coming in. Marcus Eunice is someone, as much as untested, great, great player. But Yule, I think, is probably the start of the show in terms of who's coming off the bench, came on, came on, made a very, very good impact. I think it's what you want from your subs, at least. And when you're 4-1 down to at least show some sort of heart to try and get back into, I think there's still a lot of positive wanderers can take from it, all things considered.
3: Yeah, Marcus Eunice, like his touch to bring that ball down when he was sort of crossing towards the back post to Yule. Um, that was insane. Like the, the, the skill required to do that. And they call him the Australian Neymar for a reason. And I just really can't wait for him to get an extended run within this Wanderers squad to get more minutes. Um, you know, Valentino Yule is a great pickup, you know, midway through a season, like just to, to, for a, for a winger who might not necessarily start every game, but for me, like the reason I'm watching Western Sydney Wanderers in and amongst all the other talented players they have is to see if Eunice gets on the pitch, like the same way I was watching a few other young Australians, if they would get on the pitch and what they would do. It's Mm. the intrigue is there and it's should be one of the selling points of the league.
1: Christian, yeah. Jake, did you guys actually like? Obviously, you guys aren't from New South Wales. I don't know how closely you follow the NPL in New South Wales, but did you guys see a lot of Marcus Eunice? No, see, Maybe I, see I,
0: guys. no, I've seen nothing of Marcus Eunice, obviously, until until his his debut. Um, well, when he when he came off the bench really against Brisbane, um, well, made his debut before that. To be fair, but yeah, no, kid, I know, I know, I yeah, not so, just that. I know that like he's from what I understand, he's quite highly rated in, in New South Wales, but yeah, I'm not too sure. You know, because because I haven't really seen much yet. It's not just that he's a good player and has the potential to
1: make an impact on a game. This kid is genuinely exciting to watch. Just whether he was 18 or 28, the things that he does with the football, if anyone else did it around the world, people would be freaking out about it. This kid in the opening round of the NPL New South Wales this season, Rainbow flicked over a defender from the Mariners of all teams. Obviously, it's two youth sides, but you're talking about Mariners Academy. Rainbow flicked over this guy's head and scored on a tight angle. That was round one. He, when he's in his right mindset, the kid just balls out, has fun. Probably the most amount of flair I have seen on a, on a player that I ever in Australia. Like you're talking, like Nestorian couldn't have got pace and power. This kid's got Neymar level trickery. There's a reason why they call calling the Aussie Neymar. It's not just because they're doing a throwaway comment there's a genuine likeness in this in this case. Like this kid, yeah. I'm telling you now you give him time, let him get comfortable at an A League level. He's someone that is genuinely exciting. He's not someone that takes players on or like stops and tries to find a way to take someone off. He will run at you do a couple step overs, and he will be behind you before you even realize his feet are moving. Like, this kid is genuinely nuts.
3: If we're talking about, we talked about earlier, Clayton Taylor's ability to run really fast with the ball at his feet, and he's, you know, we talked about how he's, you know, one of the, the best at doing that. Uh, Eunice is on a different level. Like, it, it's bizarre. It's bizarre that a kid like him has come out of Australia because I genuinely don't know if Australia is ready like, yeah, I, I, like, we weren't ready for Nestoria and Kunda to start, like, you know, smashing top corners at the age of 15. Like, this guy's 18, so he's a little bit older. But what, like, what we're about to start to see is going to be, like, unbelievable. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm putting that out there. Put, this put it flies. this like, rip, I think you it,
0: literally just have to, like, clip this part of the podcast and put, chuck put it in, like, Marcus Eunice's, uh, like, CV and just, yeah. Put it this way, Christian.
1: He is the antithesis of what the national curriculum tries to produce in a player.
3: He is. He is. He is the (laughs) he is the streets of Brazil, a side, in the middle of Rio de Janeiro. Like that. That's what he is, and he's come out of you know Sydney. Like that's that's the type of sort of player.
0: Well, I yeah, I I, uh, if. Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, must be good then. All right. Um, let's, nah, look, I, obviously, <laughs> I don't, I don't really know what to respond when, uh, when you give him such comparisons like that, but it also it says, I haven't seen a lot of him. Of course. Like I said, I only saw him briefly, of course, in that Brisbane game. And he obviously provided a great assist for, for Antonson's equalizer. So you could definitely say something there, but yeah, obviously I'm going to have to wait until I see more of him to really give any sort of judgment. Um, so yeah, but. Based on that, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing more of Marcus Yunus. So, um, yeah, uh, Jake, um, just quickly on the Wanderers, actually, you know, I remember, I don't know if you were here on the pod when Matt made this point around how the Wanderers just don't have this ability to kind of kick on when they have big wins and it can actually kind of keep producing at a high level. And this was just kind of standard of that, you know, like you just rock up and. You get done at home, really. I know they scored two late goals, to, but kind of felt like it just made it look better than what it was. So, you know, they just, they just seem untrustworthy is the word that I've written down for them.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I've sort of noticed. Yeah. They left a little bit too late in this game. Um, they, they, they had a great comeback. Yeah. You know, Valentino, you well sort of injected that probably well needed sort of. Your emphasis and pace and sort of flair, maybe into attacking you know, along with the units, for example, but left it too late. Um, it, it is hard to say because, you know, you had a game where, you know, Bruno Fornorelli just did Bruno Fornorelli things. Like, not every, I'd say not every game he scores four goals, but he's done it twice now, but, you know, like, like, he, he stunned them ultimately. And I didn't necessarily think that Western City played terribly. I, I thought it was a pretty even game. Could have gone either way, to be honest, but, you know, you sort of had one striker in uh, Bruno Fornarelli, who's, you know, in the form of his life, let's be honest, and Marcus Anderson, who, you know, sort of, you know, scored two goals today, looked a little bit better, grabbed the penalty, you know, got in the header as well, did well, but, yeah, I don't know, he was it was just maybe a, a bit more of a concern in terms of consistent goals with this team. You know, Anderson showed it, but who else is going to step up there, you know, with a brand umbrella now injured, you know, we haven't really seen anyone claim that role, you know, we thought maybe Satsford could do it, seems like he's out, going don't know if he's injured or not. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, sort of, how they're gonna adjust, um mm-hmm. and sort of you know, sort of ultimately push forward as this should be a team that's gonna be contending, you know, for for finals. Yeah, you know, this is a team that's, you know, sort of kept that Wait, team sorry,
0: team are they title goals. contenders or just finals contenders?
2: Oh yeah, no, no, I I going into this game, I, I would have considered them probably one of the strongest title contenders. Like 'cause I, I don't know, I, I I think they look to have built from what they had last season and shown some improvement. But Again, yeah, I, I think with a result like this at home to Melbourne victory, you know, I think, yeah, we haven't even said it yet. The first ever win that victory ever had at Combank, which is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, a little bit concerning, but you know, I, I think we'll also have to see, you know, it's a, it's a long season.
0: Yeah. And of course, victory snapped their, uh, their drawing streak, uh, as well. Um, and you know, the other point for the wonder is that they'll probably need to, you know, look at is, how often do they concede four goals? Um, and particularly at home. So, you know, uh, you talk about maybe not scoring, but yeah, bit of a reality check from a defensive standpoint there as well. All right, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we are, we're finally done. Uh, we've gone through all the games and we might need to review our process. Um, so yeah, just, just, just hang with us because, because we're, we're working on it. Um, but I'm sure. For all the listeners, if you've made it through this, what's probably going to end up being about two and a half hours podcast, you've literally listened to it from start to finish. You're a legend. Um, and you've probably got a very good detailed analyst analysis of every single game from the round. So, you know, you can't really complain there. Boys, anything to add before we go? No. (laughs) God, no.
2: God, no. I'm going to have a good sleep. That's all I know.
1: I I think we've covered everything enough although we didn't get jack's pitbull reference that he wanted to do today
3: uh, already want the, to the,
4: start.
0: Oh, oh
3: yeah the hardest uh the hardest working player um med- the hardest working player of the round which is now being called the the pitbull mr 305 um, uh, player of the round is going to um O'Shea for brisbane rule thank you very much and good night <laughs>
0: All right. We'll leave it there. Trump page football. We'll make sure you're following us on social media. Uh that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Threads, uh, TikTok, and then follow us here on Spotify as well, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever the hell you listen to us, uh, chuck us a follow on there, chuck us some feedback, let us know if you enjoy two and a half hour podcasts or you would prefer maybe something more in the one to one and a half hours uh Yeah, I think we'd prefer probably one, something in the one to one half hours, but I don't think we're capable of, uh, of, of doing that. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's been this long edition of the Front Page Football Podcast. And, uh, until next time, it's bye for now.